Welcome to the Vessels of Kingsgrave and welcome to Creature Chat, a podcast series where we discuss all manner of creatures. And on this spooky Halloween adjacent episode, we are going to be discussing ghosts. I'm your host, Peter. I'm also known as Shellfish, and I'm joined by Adam. Am I joined by Adam? um, Also known as Drowned Snow. And my mute button wasn't working. Uh, Okay, good. Adam, if you're there, tap twice. (laughs) Yes. Um, And Kat? Hi. And Matt? Hey, Varley on the forums. And Michal? Hi, Inkazrain on wherever we are now. And Metaphysical Zach... or whatever. It's, yes, in, on the, as Zach once said, on the various hell planes of the internet. And uh, we are also joined by Sarah. Hey, it's Sarah, aka Dr. Blood. And Xander. Yo, it's Xander, the Lord Baron, aka Disembodied Voice Number Nine. <laughs> exactly. And Jock. And I'm Jock, also Jock on the forums. Cool. And that is our crew for today. I mean, we did have a couple of other people, but they might join in later on, and you'll just hear new voices as they do. So. As our introduction, we will go into a definition of what a ghost is. So, would anyone like to tell me what a ghost is? So, is it like a, just like a sheet that has nothing under it that's kind of floating around? I mean, if you go by the Charlie Brown school of interpretation, yes. And we do. Absolutely. Never contradict Charlie Brown. Yeah, so Just to contradict a... Charlie Brown. <laughs> I I think it's a consciousness without a body. That's how I would characterize it. So, so was that consciousness living at one point or not? Or does it matter? I think it has well, to be, right? Yeah. But, I mean, is a, a, can you have a consciousness but it not be living? I don't know. Can you? <laughs> I don't know. Can you? <laughs> well, does that make it a just a, a disparate spirit or something like that? Yeah, I suppose yeah, it, it makes... could be. Uh, usually, ghosts are the in stories. The word "ghosts" usually refers to to uh, the <laughs> the spirit of a perished human being, I suppose. But it can be used more widely as well. I suppose, like we've got the Holy Ghost and. And like it sometimes uh, expands to a more broader sense of meaning spirit, I guess. Or like you got the German word Zeitgeist for the spirit of the times, I suppose. Or Poltergeist for a benevolent yeah, spirit. Like the ghost of an animal or something. Or I feel like it's usually something living. Can we think of animal ghosts? Like I don't. I I, I think Peter. I think your your thing that it's like human is an is that an important. Like I can't think of. You know, haunted mice or whatever. <laughs> I guess there are a lot of like hounds of Baskerville and like hellhounds and uh... yeah, like animals or you know spirits of you know living animals. But generally, when we think of spirits of things that weren't living, like we think of like gods or demons or angels or just some sort of general spirit, 
we don't really think of that as a ghost in most stories, I think. Yeah, yeah I think like, of hellhounds as like demons, like not yeah, non humans. Yeah, what's the the uh the death omen in Harry Potter, the big black dog? The Grim. Uh, which is actually a thing. Yeah, and I think there's something called the Bargest also in like uh I think Irish uh, folklore. And they are sort of death portents as well, but maybe they're not necessarily the ghosts of uh, dead animals, well, but they're sort of like uh, spirits in animal form, maybe. Uh, in in like Celtic mythology, like uh, bogs were like the portals to the underworld or to the other world. They didn't really have like a heaven or hell. It was just like the alive world and the other world. And so maybe something bog related would be. Uh, spirit that they believe in and that trickled oh, I didn't down realize that. society. So like, the bog was sort of like the veil between the two. Yeah, that's why they find like uh, human sacrifices in bogs that are like super well preserved. Um, they're typically offered them up to the spirits of the other world. No, that's interesting. So it's like a... yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, there's a lot of like bogland type, you know, uh, lore and and I mean like if you've ever been to a bog, like it feels like fucking like creepy as shit. Yeah, it smells like sense. death and there's like a What's it like? Well, they also have the, uh, the wisps in the, in there, yes, like exactly. with uh with some sort of natural gas coming off the ground and sometimes catches fire as well, I think. And then yeah. you yep. get the will of the wisp. Don't in, follow uh, the Bale, lights. As in Bale, says, good old swamp is gas. There's a bog, like he's a Merkstepper. He's like a, a a bog walker, a marsh walker, a marsh stepper. So he's he's a creature that's like yeah, like liminal in that way as well, because they're spaces that can't be occupied by humans, but they're like right on the borders of human civilization. So. Bogs. But actually, I'm not sure if the creature that I mentioned, it's a bogest that it's written like B-A-R-G-G-H-E-S-T, so it's a barg, not a bog. So I'm not sure if it is sort of like related to the swamp or if it's just, it might be because it sounds quite similar. Well, that's me mishearing you. I'm sorry that we went into fog time. No, it's, I think it's a, it's a homophone of the, of the, of the word. So it's fine. <laughs> I did say it like bogest. Yeah. Well, speaking of the natural world, yes, I think it would probably be important to create a distinction between like spirits of trees or spirit like in the in the greek you know pantheon or spirits of the earth which i right we would not categorize as as ghosties yeah I no know. i wouldn't i think that would be just like i would probably use the term spirit no yeah i mean because like a like a forest spirit or something would be connected to the forest which is still alive right yeah, yes. the, what's it called? Is it the genius loci, which is like the spirit of a place? I believe that is the term for it. Like, uh, you might have like a little god for the forest. Like in the Lord of the Rings, you got Fangorn, which is a tree beard, and he is both the forest and the sort of protector of the forest and its guardian. Well, I feel like Old Man Willow might be a better representation. Oh yeah, so he's like, like the a, biggest, like a spirit of the forest. Yeah, that's a good point because he's kind of immobile as well. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think um, I think you know each again. It's like Celtic mythology where each uh, what you know uh, George would call a heart tree. They used to, I think they were old like oak groves or something like that, and they believed each one of those had their own spirit. And that's why, uh, as a superstition, people knock on wood to call the spirit to protect them from whatever they just said that could forebode, you know, bad things happening. How oh, cool is that kind of like touching iron to drive away the fae? Right, right. Yeah, or like touching your keys to make sure that you still have them, even though you know you still have them. That might be like OCD-ish. <laughs> no, no, it's a, <laughs> it's a spiritual tradition. <laughs> so, um, I I feel like ghosts usually have an agenda too, like that they have some kind of unfinished business or like grudge or something. You see, I think they could go either way. I think they could have an agenda, or they could just be like a record on skip, like. You know, oh. people walking down hallways that they always walk down, and that's just what you see them doing. Still, like they, they're, they're oh, just so yeah. they're sort of like echoes, just like just that they're I mean, I, stuck around. Yeah, maybe I'm thinking about like more like poltergeists, but even even the ones that aren't neat. Like, I mean, in the Middle Ages, they talk about like people just come back and be like, "Hey, what's up? Like, I left some gold," or "Hey, what's up? You know, stop sleeping with that guy. I know you were cheating on me." You know, like. <laughs> There's some kind of, hey, yeah, there's, hey, yeah, there's like, there's, there's a stories there, like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I guess there's that idea that, yeah, maybe that's uh, often the distinction that a poltergeist or something, a uh, haunter is some spirit that hasn't managed to sort of die right and is still around and hasn't passed through to the other side. And that's kind of like the, uh, what keeps them here, but the, uh, maybe in these same traditions too, you might have ideas of more sort of friendly ghosts or benevolent ghosts. That um, I don't know if uh, what tradition specifically I'm referring to right now, but I guess the more general Western or European Casper. idea that I've grown up in, that sort of and the ghost stories we tell, that like a dead relative might come to kind of come visit you and somehow like. A, I don't know, maybe impart some wisdom or you, on you or some forgiveness or something like that. I would still call that unfinished business, though, like that they still have some kind of business with the with the mortal world, whether it's um, whether it's yeah. positive or negative. Poltergeist, I think, come back to do harm specifically, but like I, I do, yeah. I mean, I, I agree. Like, I think that there are you know sort of benevolent visitings, but I they still you know they can't. They can't move on for whatever reason. Like they're stuck, like you said. Like... So but I, I, I wonder because like does, does seem to be like they they do a thing, they move on, they get to move into the light. Like once once they're if they were murdered or there's some injustice, once it's fixed, then they can depart. You know, for the spirit world. No, so Adam, would... that's that's the plot summary of the movie Ghost. I feel like the that... the idea of like a, a a spirit that can't move on. I mean, I'm not saying it comes from America, but I think that's that's kind of what the American concept of ghostly spirituality kind of is for the most part, mm -hmm. certainly in pop culture. Well, I think like uh, to... I, I'm sure Sarah would uh, can talk about Hamlet, but like you know, that's a ghost that comes back and tells them what's up, and you know, 
Yeah, he's been murdered and betrayed, so it would make sense that he's kind of got a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, I mean, I guess, well, I guess as opposed to just kind of like a a, a roaming spirit who's here for, like, its own reasons or... Yeah, but like, I wonder, like, many uh, sort of spiritual traditions have this idea of ancestors and kind of being able to somehow commune with your ancestors and I get the oh, impression true. that in those uh, those uh, traditions that the idea is that the ancestors have been sort of properly buried and they have their business over with, but you can sort of still access them in yeah. some way. Like well, I think that world, every now and then someone summons them. You're like, well, what do you want? Well, like in a uh, Mexican tradition with the Dio de los Muertos, like they bring them food and their favorite like candies or their favorite booze or like tobacco or whatever, uh, you know, weed if they want that. Uh, but they basically like sit down and celebrate like their dead ancestors. Yeah, well, but don't they ghosts though? Like I don't, I mean, you know, like uh, Coco says yes, but like I, I don't know. I don't think of, I think of ghosts as things that are like involuntarily or like on their own. But if you summon them, I don't, I mean, maybe that's... What would you call those uh, sort of ancestral spirits then? Right, right. So, I mean, they bring them offerings for... Like like daimons, not not ghosts necessarily. But maybe that's too... I don't know, 15 years of Supernatural has taught me you can definitely summon ghosts. (laughs) You just gotta have a shotgun full of salt. Yeah, like in a seance, you're definitely summoning a ghost. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why the ancestral like communication feels different to me but I, I can't put my finger on why exactly i think because you're asking them to yeah that. i think like with with sort of undead generally that it's kind of the idea that there's some sort of um something's gone wrong that they ended up this way i don't know if how that would fit with like stories where like there's a ghost knocking things over in your house or something like that that is it just like that's the previous inhabitant if they died and sort of like i don't know did they have unfinished business or is this just that they don't know that they're dead yet and they're I think looking it, things over i think for some i think some that would be are, circumstantial yeah i think that some ghosts are so tied to their or they put so much work into a house or so much work into something that they're attached to it after they pass and i think like you hear a lot of haunting starting up when people like start renovations or something like that. And, um, and just the spirit of the previous owner that put so much work and love into the house is now being destroyed. That, that kind of activates them. So it's kind of like, don't touch my stuff. Yeah. I think, I mean, like, I think, I think like uh, saying that a ghost has an agenda is kind of like nefarious sounding because some of it can be to protect and some of them can be to look over and be a steward of something. And then some of them can just be dicks that want to open up all your cupboards every night. Yeah, I think business is a better I would even... like, characterization of it. Cause yeah. Yeah, because like, what about the spirits in um, A Christmas Carol? Yeah, well, they the came back to teach a lesson, right? Christmas past and Christmas yeah. future. What are they? I don't know. Well, Christmas has like that, like the song where it's like uh, they tell scary ghost stories and that Christmas Carol. Like they, it has a weird connection to 
like the uh, the previous like winter festivals and stuff like that of just like um the dead and like reincarnation and you know it's co-opted by the church or whatever but um it's it's weird that like they like i feel like the christmas carol taps into like a kind of neo-pagan belief that there are spirits that are around the winter solstice okay that's cool yeah i feel like the ghosts in christmas carol are uh they resemble sort of the grim reaper to me or the psychopomps sort of like spirit guides for the dead and or like uh an angel of death or something like that that's just kind of yeah, maybe well, the, the Grim Reaper would be the best characterization. The Ghost of uh, Christmas Future certainly is portrayed as that, but like uh, the Ghost of Christmas Present, it resembles more of a, like a green man or the you know the man of the the tree man or whatever. Oh yeah, I know Fun. that guy. And then uh, the past was um, kind of like an infantile ghost, like. I forget. I haven't read it. Oh, yeah, I've, I've, I'm I've, just going I've, off the movies I've, I've at this point. This, I think I've seen like some Donald Duck version of it when I was a kid. But I know, I'm thinking about the Muppets one. I'm like, this isn't going to help at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. the Muppets one. Is, is, is there like a constant sort of character who Scrooge is interacting with in addition to the ghost? Or is it always just the one ghost who sort of guides him to, through the memory or the sort of scene of... Isn't it like the best his best friend who died and then that's why he got all crotchety no it's not his um, best friend it was his business partner and his yeah, business like, partner died and was, was like his best friend that as was, much as he could but that's the first one right he, he yeah he was the he was the um he was the warning more or less right, he was yeah, the one who's i stopped yeah. seeing jacob marley and then it's like what the hell and then um the ghost was isn't that also kind of similar to Dante's Inferno, where he's sort of like shown that he has this guide, guiding spirit? That... Virgil. Virgil, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, but that's a that's a pretty um, common like dream vision conceit in the Middle Ages that you would have not just like a a ghost, but like a famous ghost, <laughs> like a celebrity ghost, come back and kind of show show you through the the underworld or um you know through whatever kind of like a makia you're going through but like it's like yeah it's like a spiritual guide specifically like because you know they've been there done that i love that like the greatest philosophers and whatever poets whatever of all time are just like well you asshole <laughs> oh you're my business mikhail are there any ghosts in um jewish tradition besides the witch of endor apparently um, probably. Well, she's not a witch. I think she summons the, um, the she's ghost of, yeah, yeah, um, wait, let me remember. And does Famous. she hang out with the Ewoks? It's Saul. Who <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's Saul who goes to her and, and it's Samuel. I don't know. I'm using the wrong names anyway, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, 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 the thing that I keep thinking of is from a Sarah from Fiddler on the Roof, who is not even a real ghost because she's she's invented by the main character to uh, come up with a reason why his daughter has to marry not her former husband. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's I'm sure there's stuff in there that I have not plumbed. 
the depths of. So you did not do your homework for this podcast? No. Did anyone else? I'm sorry. Was that a? <laughs> oh yeah, I have done. I have done hours and hours assignment. of research for this. Of course, <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. yes. Um. Well, I mean, the, there's a concept of like a shade, so it, that would well, that's be. A good how, yeah. Um, yeah, I think shade more than ghost implies that sort of like that is uh, it's a spirit of a past person because you yeah. got the idea of a shadow and like like we talked about earlier like a like a ghost just walking through the same hallways they used to like that idea of a ghost as a sort of an echo or an imprint is also something that shows up in stories sometimes that you can kind of like maybe hear echoes of past conversations in haunted places even though there's not necessarily like a ghost with an intelligence or consciousness there yeah, I mean, just so I'm not getting it too confused, I think that is also, I probably should have come on the demon episode because there's a lot more demon stuff. Um, a shade would be like S-H-E-Y-D, and that is kind of the idea of a of a demon, but I, I think there's some crossover there. I don't know, they didn't, like, teach us this stuff in school. They weren't like, here's, <laughs> here's fun ghost mythology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the, um, after the Reformation, the existence of ghosts became kind of like a hot button issue because um, the Catholic tradition suggested that it was people returning from purgatory or spirits returning from purgatory to like ask for intercessory prayers or to, um, you know, sort of share what was happening to them. And then after the Reformation, the um, Protestant perspective was that they were um, demons that were taking the shape of recently deceased people um, to trick like and and kind of um, lure people to their demise and so that's the debate oh, that's, that's behind cool. the ghost in hamlet like that um king james would have said like and in fact he does say in his demonology that um that that's the function or that's what ghosts are is actually demons like in disguise basically um it's but kind of how another... they uh, explain it in dragon age that the that ghosts that people see are spirits that are sort of reenacting things they've seen before yeah yeah so it's like yeah so like the question is whether um, as Hamlet says, like it's a it's a spirit that abuses me to damn me, or whether it's um, actually his his father. But that was that was like a very um, as far as the Reformation was concerned, it was actually like a confessional distinction that like you know whether or not ghosts were real was you know sort of a, a Catholic Protestant um, issue, not exclusively, but um, yeah, that's what you said about asking for people to pray on pray for them to intercede on their parts. That's funny to me, like <laughs> like the. Ghost coming to you, hey man, I'm 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 in a bit of a bind in a purgatory, like I've I've done like 20 years already, and and they're not letting me out. So could you throw me a prayer or two, like? Yeah, <laughs> I mean that that was a real like that was a that was a you know <laughs> that was a real thing. Like they put um on you know tombstones and stuff. Like hey, if you're looking at this, throw a prayer my way to you know cut down my time and stuff. That was, I mean, it was like a very inbuilt part of. <laughs> Smash that like button. Yeah, <laughs> right. Totally. <laughs> I mean, that's, about... that's not a non. I mean, I, there's some corollary to that in Jewish tradition. Like when someone passes, you you say that their soul should should ascend, um, and there's you don't exactly pray for them, but you kind of do good deeds in their name and and that kind of thing. What's the mirror thing about? Because I know you guys gotta cover all the mirrors, like. Yeah, I think that's so the spirit, and it's also with the yard side candle. Um, I think that's kind of the 
the spirit is kind of anchored to life in the seven days after death. And then the mirror thing might be a, a like a, so they don't get confused, but I'm not fully, uh, I'm not, I'm not holding in that area specifically, but yes, we do do that. Or at least Ashkenazi Jews do that. I don't know if Jews of other denominations do. Oh, good. I'm 0.3% Ashkenazi. Oh, really? Cool. Shalom, homie. Um, <laughs> but is that like, uh, is there like anything in mysticism? Like, I know like mirrors can be used to scry. Like, is there something to that where like you can see into the future and maybe that's like a spirit inhabiting the mirror and showing you things? Possibly. I really the only thing that's like floating to the top of my memory is is about the spirit getting confused but um narcissists many different interpretations and reasons for these kind of things i'm still afraid to look in a mirror in a dark room like that freaks me out so bad because there's you know like if there's something behind you like i think that's residual from being like really messed up by bloody mary when i was like you know, in third grade or something, but like, yeah, I, st- I, mean, I saw I- Candyman way too young and yeah. kind of got some heebie-jeebies. Right? Yeah, but I'm, really I'm like that. convinced that one day there will just be something standing behind me in the mirror and I'm like, I can't, I just, I can't even look like it's, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, like sometimes when passing a mirror in the dark, it'll kind of like side eye, you'll see, see a weird human shape go through the mirror and I don't know what that might be. Uh, <laughs> what do you see? Yeah, when, when I when I go past the mirror and I don't look at it in the dark, there might be like a human shape in the mirror that's kind of passing as I pass. It's really, really creepy. It's you. <laughs> oh, 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 I had no idea. Okay, I no longer need to be afraid of mirrors in the dark. They're super scary. Okay, well, maybe we've talked about what are ghosts for some time. We might ask, why do we tell these stories about ghosts? And um, I think we've probably, as these human apes, we've been telling stories about ghosts for quite some time. Yeah, I think they're it's a mix of cautionary tales and then just the fact that like humans like that now that we're all like, you know, civilized, we like to be scared. Like some of us legit just like to be spooked and get a little jump scare and gets our uh, endorphins going or something. But I think for the most part, it's like, you know, they'll like don't go in the woods alone kind of thing because the ghost will get you or, you know, whatever it may be. But it's it's to teach some kind of a lesson. I think it also, um, ghosts are a good example of enforcing like cultural norms too. And we kind of talked about this with vampires, I think as well, and maybe zombies, but, um, like the one, one of the ghosts that I'm thinking of specifically is Patroclus in the Iliad who comes back to Achilles, um, because Achilles hasn't buried him yet. And he's like, dude, I am just hanging out on the fucking bank of sticks. Like, get me <laughs> out of here. And and he's like, like, I mean, it's kind of, it's like, you know, the, the kid who's getting picked last at school, he's like, I'm just hanging out here and like everybody else is getting on the boat and it really sucks. But like, um, <laughs> so he, it's <laughs> a quote, that's a direct translation from the Greek. Um, but he, so he says, you know, like, look, you really need to, you really need to help me out here, like get your shit together and bury me. And so he does. But um, 
there's something very similar to that in the Aeneid as well, where like a guy falls off a roof and they don't realize it. And they're just like, well, I don't know where Palinurus is. And then he shows up and he's like, I'm real dead, you guys. Like, can you make me a cenotaph or something? Like an empty tomb so that I can, you know, get a little bit of help. And so they do. But um, but yeah, that sense that like the ghost is stuck until they're properly buried, I think is like a cultural reinforcement that like you need to treat the dead with respect and um, yeah, help them make that. That might be like a real phenomenon as well that like... Um those sorts of uh, feelings of guilt and guilt and uh, for how you treated your like dead or something might actually manifest in dreams of the person coming to sort of like blame you for it. And that kind of like might have reinforced these stories of ghosts as well. I wonder if there's also kind of like a like a, an orderliness to that concept, like particularly with, you know, ghosts as a mechanism of enforcing burial, that like, if you don't do the right things and you don't put the bodies in the right places, things are going to get, like, chaos is going to happen. The the wrong things are going to be in the wrong places, the dead are going to come through, like, you know. Oh yeah, I think that's definitely true, and there's a lot of overlap with um, these stories that we talked about already with vampires and zombies. And those are maybe more to do with the uh, the dead remains of the physical bodies to sort of like process it properly and put it in the right place so it doesn't spread disease and stuff like that. But I guess uh, I guess these ghost stories where the deceased comes to blame their relations might also be about that, but can also maybe it's the sort of psychological effect that losing people might have on you or something along those lines and of course it's like thinking about our own death as well i i think there's like peter you asked us to to look at ghost stories for this episode and i don't know if we'll circle back to that or not but i did much to my dismay and it, i was very struck by like the like my own kind of visceral response to the fact that so many of the stories are like trauma based, right? Like whether it's, you know, the sort of like a mass death or a, you know, sort of horrific murder or, you know, whatever. And I wonder if like part of our, part of our interest in ghosts or part of our sort of cultural fascination with ghosts is like maybe a personification of our own trauma that stuff like that happens, like that there must be some kind of equivalent imprint on the universe that like, reflects how upsetting it is when stuff like that happens to us or not happens to us because then we'd also be ghosts but like <laughs> yeah i think there's definitely to something us, to that because yeah. like i think there's uh like that people will report feeling this weird tension in the air in um old battlefields for example yeah. or something like yeah. that that they kind of i mean they probably are just imagining it but that those places where as you said, like these big traumatic things happen that they leave a mark on the sort of like collective unconscious maybe, or maybe, yeah. maybe not even the unconscious, but just like the idea that people have about the surrounding area or the world around them. And don't know where I was going with that. That I'm right. That, that yes, you are, you are correct. <laughs> I've sort of felt like, you know, like, I don't believe in ghosts, but I like play around with these ideas in my mind. And like I was in, you know, um, 
I went to some concentration camps a long time ago and like we were standing in the gas chamber and I was like probably psychological but like to me the air felt very thin it like felt like you know a place where a lot of souls had been forced out of life and like uh. you know I'm not saying that that's like actually literally true but it was definitely you know it, it might just be kind of like a, a searching for reasoning in that kind of thing um yeah I've, but, I've, I've heard that thing about the concentration camps as well the idea that people say that birds don't sing there and things like things of that nature but i don't know if this if it is projection or if it's just like um but yeah it definitely maybe a way for us to kind of try to reason with these things that have happened with battles and atrocities and other sorts of things well i think there's something to like <clears throat> and concentration camps are obviously like that you know, the height of this example is psychologically impacted areas, um, you know, that seem trauma like battlefields, like concentration camps. Um, there's something about giving, you know, an idea or something mental energy. And if enough people kind of, they kind of, you know, what is it, uh, the secret? If you put it out there, it starts to manifest itself. I feel like um, in some in places I experience tragedy, that kind of psychology has impacted the area and, you know, can make the air feel. I never heard it described as thin before. Usually it's like a heavy feeling like, you know, you're, it's like, you know, the air sucked out of you almost. Um, but, yeah, I think they can have in, a, in Dragon Age, they call that, that the veil is torn when something has something awful has happened and the spirits start pouring into it. The veil is torn. That's so cool to me. I mean, I guess what I'm wondering is whether that happens, like, if you if you don't know. And I, I think sometimes it does, which really freaks me out. But, I mean, if you go to, you know, like, say a, a former slave plantation in the South, right, and you're, like, walking around and it feels different, but is that because you're you're unconsciously or subconsciously processing what you know happened there and and kind of infusing that into the environment or is it like genuinely something that's in the air yeah i don't know like i think you know the feeling it's like that you know that your hairs on the back of your neck kind of yeah. go or like you get goose pimples even though it's not cold or anything like that you know there you you have a physiological response to something that you don't know what exactly you know there is no yeah. direct threat for you but your body's still reacting as if there was yeah i had this sort of experience when i was around 12 and i went to rome on a trip with my family and i don't know if it was just all the old buildings and stuff but i i guess i sort of first realized my own mortality and like especially my father's mortality on that Fuck trip. And 12 <laughs> yeah and i think like those all the old buildings and all the like the all the generations that had come before me and like all that like maybe maybe it was something to do with the old buildings that kind of enhanced that feeling and i i was very anxious and had nightmares on that trip a lot but yeah it's uh sometimes when looking at like uh, i remember my ex got very anxious in a museum looking at these old like church woodcuts that were kind of like badly made and these kind of old old artifacts especially like old religious art can kind of like i don't know feel very spooky and kind of odd and weird to me i have a similar feeling in um like crypts 
in, in like churches and stuff. And I do, I think part of it is that awareness of like almost oppressive uh, number of generations that have gone by in that space. Like, you know, just this was built in, you know, 1400 or it was built in 1100 or whatever. But like, yeah, there's also that. All gone. Yeah, that there's like, that there's a, um, yeah, that there's an, there's an oppressiveness to it that builds up over time. And I think in some senses, as you say, like it is just the fact of time that it kind of like accrues over, um, I don't know. That's why I I feel like, I feel like modern hauntings are less, like not less compelling sounds a little bit dismissive, but I, I, I find them less effective for me than something that's been you know that way for hundreds or thousands of years like i don't know american goes i don't know i don't know i like yeah i guess it depends i I don't know well i I think think american ghost reaffirms sorry matt no go ahead um i was just saying i think that kind of just reaffirms like whether or not ghosts are a actual thing or whatever it kind of just reaffirms whether you're getting that actual sense or just because you know what happened just that very human um uh, idea of mortality you know I mean, that's yeah, so, like, if you're in a brand new building and it's haunted, then, like, that's a, that's a fucking ghost. Like, that's not, you know, is that what you're suggesting? That, like, <laughs> if something manifests where it's, where it is new, that we shouldn't feel that way? Or, like, if we don't know something happened and we, you know, this still well, is no, a phenomenon? I mean, if it was a new building and it was haunted, yeah, get the fuck out. That's bad news bears, you know? <laughs> right. But I, I think just the whole, the whole idea of, like, whether going to a certain place um and the psychology or 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 the feelings or whatever we get whether we know something happened there or not i think that kind of just reaffirms why ghost stories have been continuously told as as either entertainment or as a um you know hey don't do this kind of thing you know like why they're so culturally powerful Right, just that pure unknown fear. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. Like, it was one of these podcasts where Patrick was talking about like, um, like death denial syndrome or something like that. That all the culture is sort of like based around the idea that we're trying to distract ourselves from our own death, and like maybe in those moments where you kind of feel dread and definitely afraid of a ghost, maybe that's like when you come in contact with that fear of death for like and that it isn't pushed aside in that moment and and you actually feel it well, that's so interesting yeah and it would be it would yeah, be more likely to happen in a place that like a cemetery like that's a monument to death like a, a cultural artifact that is designed to remind you of death <laughs> it kind of undoes that that distraction that's really interesting but i kind of i right, mean part of this is like the sorry just the idea of like you know people some people being sensitive to this and other people not and like i i i find that a really interesting like like interplay between you know what you know happened there versus how it affects you because like obviously we all know that there are people who have gorgeous weddings gorgeous in quotation marks at plantations and 
many concentration camps are located so that kids ride their bikes to school through the concentration camp. And like, it's, you know, so it's, it's an, I kind of, I feel like it's, it's one of those things where you're, you don't, it's not universally applied, I guess. And I don't know if that's just normal psychology or if it's, you know, oh, we, you're, you're sensitive or if that could basically amount to the same thing. So that people that are like real muggles, and even if they knew that the uh, plantation was once a slave plantation and had the wedding there, those muggles could maybe have that wedding and have great joy of it and not think about it at all. But someone who is more attuned to the ghostly energies might be more freaked out by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. I think, too, with, with ghosts, um, whether it's just a feeling or you see it, um, it's the most face-to-face we could ever be with death and our mortality. I don't know. I think zombies would get you pretty close. <laughs> well, well, who has seen a zombie? But um, <laughs> I think it, it is kind of like an egotistical kind of thing where we think that uh, there is a possibility that even though we die, we could still be around affecting things in the world. It is kind of hopeful in that in that way, isn't it? But I, I don't ever get that sense from go like you know. It seems like you should be like, oh well, maybe you know, if I if I forget to say that last thing to that person before I die, like I can just come back and tell them. But like I don't really feel like anybody thinks about ghosts that way. Yeah, I, I don't think either. <laughs> I'm like that's cool. I'll just do it after I'm dead. <laughs> no, <it's not. laughs> oh, I have a list of people I'm haunting. So <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I wonder if well, like um if it might have something to do with just like um, hallucinations, like people just kind of like seeing things that aren't there and just like, because there's so much about the brain that we don't know that we just might have these like uh, short circuits or misfires sometimes. Like uh, in the chat, we talked a little bit about like pareidolia, that uh, phenomenon where people will find patterns in things and will see like the man on the moon or like, faces in the leaves and things like that that we are always looking for that human shape in places and maybe sometimes you see the human shape out of the corner of your eye and your mind kind of convinces itself that it's sh- so a ghost and it gets freaked out by it yeah i mean i, I think that's that could be a part of it but like you know what was it maybe 15 20 years ago it started like on television all these ghost hunter shows and like you see it replayed on video and you know it it just makes it a little more real when it's like instead of thinking you heard something or thinking you saw something they replay it on video and it's there what is there what is on the something (laughs) something about those ghost hunter shows all bullshit though I think a lot of them are, um, but like especially early days, like they didn't have a budget to do anything that would show up on video. That makes me think, you know, um, that they, you know, put something in post production. I think there's a lot of like background noise that they intentionally put in and stuff like that. Oh yeah, like EVP stuff is kind of bullshitty. Zach Baggins is pretty serious. Oh, he's a douchebag. 
douchebaggins. Because um, like most of those, I couldn't really get into them, but I'd watch one or two, and they'd sit like, oh, "You see it? This just happened. You hear that?" I'm watching. I'm like, "What are we supposed to?" Be? Yeah, and then the camera shaking, and then like, "Oh my gosh, guys, evidence is perfect." And I'm just like, "Are they not there? What are they? What's, what's what? like? They're not showing anything." Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, a lot of times it 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 does seem really sketchy, but there's a you know there's a couple of videos that I remember seeing that was just like what the fuck, what the what what is that? Like they did um, a lighthouse over by my uh, hometown, and they put a chair or something like, and the chair just like zips across the room. I was like, what the fuck is happening with the? <laughs> oh, this sounds cool. But yeah, the. Little footage that I've seen of those ghost hunter shows kind of reminds me of that movie, The Blair Witch Project, which uh, really scared me as a kid. Like, oh, I really scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I, I, that was kind of like those, one of those movies that kept me awake at night, like just kind of scared of ghosts, I guess, when I was around uh, 10 to 15, I guess. Yeah, we were in uh, like senior year in high school, so we immediately went to like our town park deep in the woods and went along the trails after the Blair Witch, and we were like, not nah, didn't really freak us out until we got to like this uh, stone pavilion that we forgot was there, and we came up with there with our flashlights. We we're like, oh, what the fuck is this? Let's go <laughs> run away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that movie is a good example of that uh, idea that nothing is scarier than not showing the monster is kind of like more effective than like like i suppose most horror movies do this where they will cut away quickly when the actual kill happens so only show glimpses but i guess in the blair witch project we only see like the little handicrafts of the witch and some like um some human body parts isn't that a tongue is that a tongue i remember like obsessively trying to figure out what it was that they saw for some reason so I could recreate it in my own yard. I don't know. Like, I don't know why I was so obsessed with, like, knowing what was on the <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a, the correct impulse to sort of figure out the dangerous unknown to kind of master it, maybe. I think there's also, I mean, particularly with the Blair Witch Project, which, as with all horror movies, I have not seen. Um, but, like, that that movie kind of fucks with you in a particular way in that it... You know, we're, we're kind of used to found footage now, but when it came out, it was still pretty new. And, like, they went to really some, like, pretty far extremes. Like, they had the actors, like, agree not to appear in public, like, until, like, a certain amount of time after the, the movie came out. So, like, there was a veneer of reality that they worked really hard to tack on to that. That, like, I feel like things that... Are you know like the like the ghost hunting shows today are kind of like yeah they're good for like a cheap scare but like they're not like yeah, they're not sort of performance art in that way I guess yeah well the yeah, Blair Witch like... is so innovative because they use the internet marketing to create this fake mm-hmm. mythology that you know until I mean maybe a week or two when it was revealed that it was all bullshit marketing <laughs> everyone went in there thinking it was like actual found footage. I think they got like missing person reports or like it, yeah. it got it got yeah, yeah that's, it like went around the internet of kind of stuff and it was legit and then you know it you know um, like paranormal activity movies and stuff like that there you know they, it spawned a whole different kind of horror genre of like these found footage um, horror movies. Yeah, Is it paranormal like, activity yeah. where they it's the cameras in the corners of their bedroom? Yep. 
that that is completely fucking unacceptable. Uh, yeah, I've seen, the, I've seen clips. Oh my god. Yeah, like the one woman like standing over her husband for like hours on end. That's a that's a nice image. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, that kind of also reminds me of that sort of like um, Blair Witch Project performance art, mixing it up with reality. Like um, I haven't spent much time with these myself but i understand that like the slender man mythos is kind of like an alternative reality game in some ways that people write these stories and post them online sort of like uh sort of role playing that this actually happened and kind of like i don't know like just kind of living in the ghost story themselves yeah it's, it's like creepypasta right that's how it started yeah yeah, yeah that sounds, sounds yeah. familiar But I mean, you know, th that that of itself is a, is a weird um, example of really manifesting something, you know, because that is now like a part of our culture. And obviously there was that horrible incident where people thought they were actually worshipping Slenderman by trying to kill someone. And like, oh, I've heard about that. Oh, what? yeah. Yeah. Oh, my There's God. A documentary about girls. it. Yeah. It's horrible. I mean, she was she didn't she didn't die. She survived, but it was awful. Um, no shit. Um, yeah, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of wonder, it's, it's interesting that idea of like manifesting something into like a kind of reality, even if it's not like what we would all like look around and be like, yeah, Slenderman exists, you know, but there's, there's that idea of this, this thing that we all kind of buy into, you know, which, which actually makes me think of something else I wanted to talk about, which is like, are there cultures that have absolutely no ghost mythology that just have like either a much healthier relationship with death or like they, I, you know, whatever it is. Um, like I, I, I think there are some cultures who actually like mummify their dead and like live with them for a while. Like there isn't that yeah, fear response. Yeah. It's somewhere psycho. in the Pacific. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, not Norman Bates, but yeah, I've seen like, uh, burial rituals where people will kind of like hang out with the mummy and like stick cigarettes in its mouth before like burying it and like yeah it's a little i wouldn't necessarily call that a more healthy relationship with dead death, <laughs> but but uh it's uh well, it's terrible for you so yeah yes that's that's what i was getting at is the yeah. but i i do i am of the opinion that children should not play with dead things and maybe children of all ages should not play with dead things but <laughs> but yeah Mm -hmm. Well, that's one parenting style. I I do remember this. Um, was that, was that I, about how I let baby Dr. Blood poke a rat with a stick last year? Because that was pandemic. <laughs> that doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't well, you count. know, you can, it's not too bad if you do it every once in a while. How long was the stick? It was long. And I okay. poked it first to make sure it was really dead. Because I didn't want her to have like a you know faithful of rats. So <laughs> anyway. The therapy sessions, baby blood will need. My mother poked it first with a stick. Then I poked <laughs> I, it. So, okay. And then I just couldn't stop poking things with sticks for the rest of my life. Made sure that the rat would not fly up in a rage and take its revenge on my child. I feel like I should get credit for that. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, but to get back to the question of whether there are cultures that have no uh, idea of ghosts or something like that. I uh, 
I'm not sure if there is one. I do remember like reading uh, Barack's Barack Obama's uh, bi autobiography where he talked about meeting, I think, some Maasai Maasai people in Africa and um, talking about the afterlife with them. And they just sort of told him that when you're dead, you just go in the ground and they didn't have any sort of concept of that, but they didn't go much into like whether they believed in ghosts or stuff like that. Yeah, the, the Soy Khan or what was it? The San Koi or something like that. Yeah, I think um, they're like an example of like an extremely primitive tribe. Uh, and I think that they have more of a almost sun worship, at least the tri like the tribes in the Amazon seem to think that death is almost like a cycle, like the days and nights, like obviously the sun dies every day and then is reborn. So that's what you basically do. I know like the Mayans had that um, idea that every 3000 years or something like that, the world basically dissolved into catastrophe and was reborn. And that's why like the Mayan calendar apocalypse, like, you know, 10 years ago, whatever. Yeah, I think the um, Indians have a sort of similar story as well. Um, I mean, like uh, in Hinduism, I think, but yeah, yeah like, there are uh, ages of the world, yeah. Yeah, and it sort of like starts getting shittier and shittier until it's the maximum amount of, amount of shitty, and then it's like super awesome for a while, and then it starts getting shittier and shittier, and it's like a interesting, interesting idea. Do you think that's just because every generation just feels like it's getting shittier and shittier? <laughs> Probably, <laughs> yeah. Like, like in the in the spring of their youth, they feel like the world is awesome, but then it kind of starts looking a little less awesome by the end. And you're working forty hours a week and paying taxes and bills, and you're just like, oh god, just end it all. I actually yeah. found that idea really comforting. Like, I I learned it in in grad school when we were. I don't remember why. But, like, it was about, like, apocalypse the theory, basically. Like, not necessarily, like, literal apocalypse, but how, like, every generation is like, oh, no, it's never been this bad. This is it. And I was like, oh, that actually is true. We all think we're we're the shittiest and that it's got to end now. And, like, that hasn't happened yet. So. Yeah, thank God I am not living in the apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah, not quite yet. That we know of. I mean, I guess theoretically, it would. Well, yeah, I, I, I do. That was also a kind of one, right, and I, but... I do uh, relate to that, Michal. Like I, when I heard that idea that every culture tells stories of the apocalypse, and like that the idea that everyone is just like wringing their hands and bling, oh, it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen in my lifetime, oh no. But that that the idea that all previous generations have been doing this was comforting. Yes. It's like the line in Clueless where the guy goes, I think that my father feels the way about the Rolling Stones the same way I feel about Nine Inch Nails. So maybe I should just give him a fucking break. <laughs> yeah, like that's, that's, oh, that's kind just of like very, that. Um, I've been waiting for so long to use that in context, and that was as close as I got. I'm going with it. <laughs> Had to shoot my shot. It fits quite well. Okay, I think we've been going over what ghosts are and why ghosts are, but I think next we could go into sort of the different, the 
a variety of different kinds of ghost stories that exist. Like we've talked about some of these already, but mm, I guess I'll just start us off by introducing this idea of like ghostly vehicles, like those ghost ships and even ghost trains and stuff like that. That um, that's one ex very specific example of ghost stories that that kind of captures people's imagination. And I guess those uh, stories of like <laughs> mobile ghosts might be more likely to become sort of urban legends that people kind of like tell each other than maybe just a haunted house. Like Christine? Christine? Sorry, the car? Wasn't that the car? The, the, the Stephen King. Car, the Stephen King demon car? But was so that a ghost? Christine. There's a uh, there's a ghost story that I know from Maine and I can't remember the name, but um, it was about this uh, blockade runner from the Revolutionary War, the sailing ship, uh, and it went out and you know kept on running blockades and getting uh, supplies into the people of like this somewhere in Maine, and eventually it got caught up in a storm and never returned, but every now and then when the mist comes in fully like. There are fishermen that report seeing the sailing ship, uh, and I feel like that's a kind of common enough story, um, especially in New England. There's a bunch of like ghost ship stories. No, when one, they disappear under mysterious circumstances. Right. There's one uh, of a ferry that ran ghost from, from Boston to Portland, Maine, and caught fire around New Hampshire and sank, and people still see or hear the uh, horn or bells of the ship. I think um, like nautical history kind of lends itself to a lot of superstition, and it kind of breeds like you know David Jones and the Dead Man's Chest and all exactly. That. Yeah, that's interesting because that seems like that mythology to me. It seems like that's been kind of spun up more recently than some of the other mythologies we have around. Like because that sort of um is from like the Age of Sail, I guess. I'm I'm fascinated by the continued haunting, however you want to read that, of modern things because like you're so right like it it it's it's not at all a stretch that like this woods would be haunted or this old raggedy shack you know, but the idea of like the ghost in the machine and like the the you know I I've read I've read occasional stories where people's phones will start talking to them and like the like Siri will will come alive, and no, like that's cool. yeah, that's because they're always listening. Well, yeah, I mean, so that it's it's very interesting to me that that we transferred those things onto the bright, shiny, new, modern experiences. Whether that's you know something that we would consider old now, like trains and ships, or you know computers and yeah, iPhones. I think the movie yeah. Ring is probably a good example of that with the mm. post videotape <laughs> with like, the VHS. Yeah, the VHS. Yeah, and the idea that the like the ghost girl with the slimy black hair is like crawling out of the the tele television screen. That's a very very awful image, kind of yeah, similar to the idea of, of that you mentioned with the mirrors, Sarah. That kind of like the idea of this uh, this window to kind of another world that we have with the TV or something that something emerges from it and kind of is up to no good. But isn't that just like a cursed object, just like anything else, like a monkey pie or something like that? You know, like 
just updated to be VHS, which is already so I, outdated. A monkey bar? Oh, monkey paw. Paw. Oh, okay. Paw. Like, the cursed paw. monkey bars. <laughs> monkey bars. First monkey bar. Um, so I, I was doing some research on uh, La Llorona for this thing, and I read a paper about it um, that talked about how her legend is evolving into modern times and it's evolving in in kind of like a trigger warning way in the sense that it's like about infant abandonment but um the the paper was suggesting that whereas before she used to manifest most often near bodies of water like lakes and ponds um and rivers because her story was that she had drowned her children um now the the patterns that are emerging in more recent reports is that she's also manifesting near um like dumps and other places that people are likely to abandon children so her um like that that idea like the dumpster at a prom yeah like the trash baby you know what I mean (laughs) no but like Oh, like, abandoning babies. Like, no, exactly. So, like, this, this, that the idea of like child abandonment has evolved in modern. So, like, you know, you're not likely to like, or you're less likely to like put your baby in the river, and you're more likely to like, leave them at the dump or something. And so, um, mm-hmm. the the ghost story has evolved so that she is now haunting those places of abandonment. But yes, I apologize for bringing infanticide into our discussion. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I love that. What is the name of the ghost? Maria something. Uh, La Llorona, yeah, her her no, like not gonna... her living <laughs> name was yeah, she's the weeping woman, but like her her name uh, yeah is sometimes Maria, and she's um she's also associated sometimes with uh, La Malinche, um who's Eran Cortez like uh, mistress, a native uh, indigenous mistress, but you can hear all about it on my TV special. <laughs> <laughs> cool, looking forward to that. You want to plug that now or? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know enough about it, <laughs> but I'll yeah, I'll post it on the forums when I know more. Yeah, I guess um, when I was thinking about this podcast, I was um, scrolling around and came across this cool image of a chupacabra and um, just kind of that idea stuck with me and I started to think about this uh, myth or story of the boogeyman that we have probably in most cultures that I guess um, maybe because children do kind of naturally have this fear of the dark and fear of being eaten or abducted or taken. I'm not sure if it's completely natural, but I think it's pretty <laughs> pretty standard for children to be afraid in the dark. And like if there's this kind of uh, mythical creature in almost all cultures that's like sometimes it's like called the bag man or something that kind of comes and takes you away and uh, like uh, well the See, boogeyman let's talk about the boogeyman I don't think that children are inherently afraid of the dark I think it's the parents anxieties that are impressed onto them that make them afraid of stuff like that um, oh I don't think so do you I like well, like imagine I, you, about that. I still sleep with my closet door closed, man. Humans. Right? Yeah. Well, that's because the monsters are in the closet, Mikko. Yeah. Yeah, but okay. no one ever told me there were monsters in the closet. Like legit, every night I like go to close my closet door after because I'm OCD and I have to do it in the right order. And like every night I'm like, oh, is this the night the hand comes out? Is this? The night? Oh, <laughs> oh, oh the hand comes out. I love that. 
Amazing. Yeah, I definitely spent long nights staring at my closet door as a kid. Thankfully, yeah. my current apartment doesn't have a visible closet, but uh, when I've sometimes had sleep paralysis, the the uh, bookshelf here sometimes turns into sort of a humanoid figure, sort oh, of dark lo- humanoid oh. figure looming over me, which is oh, nice. Man. Which is nice. <laughs> we, we love that. I When I was, um, I don't know, I was probably like eight or nine, I had a, I don't know, night terror, nightmare, hallucination, whatever, but it was the middle of the night and I sat up and there was like a squat little woman standing in my room and she was made of like I don't know I want to say like play-doh spaghetti right like she or like intestines you know what I mean like she was just kind of like very squiggly and and wearing like a hooded brown robe but she was like you know I don't fucking Yoda size right like she was just standing and just like staring at me and that was tremendously uncool and then (laughs) very very shortly thereafter I went out like you know I don't know the same summer I think I went out into the kitchen and there was just a hand like floating above the counter which was awesome also yeah we were living in like a like a 200 year old house so I mean you know maybe it was the carbon monoxide I don't know but um no sorry what the night terrors are all very common like I, I I'm sure I've told you guys like I have that like all the time like the most common one is the ceiling fan is like a giant spider or like some kind of like fucking alien or something and I'll like be half asleep uh, like, I must kill it I have a couple of those childhood memories as well like I remember like seeing like a disembodied glowing like foot near the like the path near my preschool like it was just getting dark and I, that's, that has stuck with me. And this one time when I was, uh, I got scared at night and went to sleep in my parents' bed. And then I have this kind of vivid memory of like looking under the bed and there was this like, kind of like a goblin creature that kind of looked like one of those eye eyes, like the little monkeys that live in trees and have these big bulging <gasps> eyes and the, oh, like little spindly, spindly hands. And like, I, that feels like a real memory to me almost, but I suppose it was a hallucination or a dream. Well, yeah, you're right. You know. like it, it feels like a like yeah, actual, I, like concrete. Yeah. I, I feel like sometimes your your brain has a hard time converting your memories correctly, and it like converts a dream like partially into a memory. And you're like, I swear that happened, but it didn't. That definitely happens, but I I'm curious again about whether that's an issue of like, are we are are you more sensitive at that at that age, you know, and more like, you know, you haven't been told that all this isn't real yet, or are you a little <laughs> baby child, so you believe yeah. things that your brain well, and, and invents? Some of it, too, is, like, you, you got to think, like, a lot of this stuff happens really late at night, right? And we know what sleep deprivation does. It can make you see things, right? Like, I remember the first time I, I was a kid, we stayed up playing video games all night, and the shadows, like, as the sun started to rise, like, looked like characters from the video games and ghosts and like you're because you're you're so sleep deprived you're, you're hallucinating i mean so that's why people say oh the witching hour it's like well maybe you've just been up for too long are you yeah. listening to cindy lopper <laughs> yeah i think that's definitely a contributing factor the, no comment <laughs> probably, the, probably the um the effect that sleep deprivation or just like a general nighttime nighttime effects on the mind can lead to all sorts of false memories probably and so, but Michal, what you said about that like uh, i think we had a 
cool uh, chat about this on the forum some time ago about like kids don't know know that magic isn't real so they can still use it and it's kind of like a fun little thought exercise to think about with like imaginary friends or like seeing ghosts or like just like a like a little kid coming up to you and saying something about the lady with no head or something like that that's uh, kind of very cool creepy stuff yeah the uh imaginary friend that lives in the woods mine was a russian spy I had so wasn't many imaginary friends. I that you saw. Wasn't that just the dude you saw like running and jumping when you're in the backseat of a car? What? What? You guys didn't do this. You're sitting in the backseat of a car and you're looking out the window and you imagine like just uh like a little something just running and jumping along. Oh my god! Drive. Yes, I did that too. What? Yeah. So I I did not do that. So did you? Like, I, I, I always imagined I had, I had a, like a Wolverine claw that I could cut things down as we we're driving by the the highway. I think it's along that same vein. Yeah, I think I just used to watch the droplets of water running down the window pane, but not really. Like I don't think I imagined things that weren't there. At least not sort of visually seeing them in the field of my vision, but maybe in my mind's eye. Did you imagine the bigger droplets eating the smaller ones? Oh, definitely. And getting bigger? Yeah, yeah. okay, good. <laughs> so, like, um, Mikhail posted in the Reddit, what's the creepiest thing? So, I actually have a story when I was, like, four years old, and I think I may have told this on another podcast, but I'll say it now. Uh, sitting with my grandmother, and we are just uh, watching the Christmas tree in uh, their old house in Connecticut. And all of a sudden I got up and ran down the hall because my aunt's friends were calling me to like come hang out with them. And but it was just me and my grandma in the house. And it always happened around like the holidays, like weird shit would happen, like the stereo would turn on. Like my my cousins from Peru were completely freaked the fuck out because they're like they really believe in like, you know, ghosts and spirits and stuff like that. And it would just scare the shit out of them. But. That's what I remember running. I re, like I remember in my head, like sitting there and hearing their their voices call me and mm. heading down the hall in the house. And no so were your there. aunt's friends like dead or? No, they were just out partying. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. The ghost always wanted a party. Like uh, my aunt heard like noisemakers at New Year's Eve and thought everyone had come home from the bars and no one was home. Oh, that, stuff like that. That's disconcerting. <laughs> yeah, the I guess that, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I just said that the idea that only children can see them is there's also the idea that kind of dogs and cats can see things that we can't, like ghosts and they, like when cats like stare at the wall for hours or if a dog will start barking like out of nowhere and there seems to be no reason for it, then people will be like, probably a ghost, must be a ghost. I would say hi, ghost, like just in case. I'm like, hi, ghost, how's it going? Like if the dog growls at something that I can't see. like. Oh, I, I did the same thing. Um, I think my wife and brought the baby out to like a girl's night or something, and I was watching, you know, some stupid ghost show. 
and it was like uh the ghost attacked this woman and i was like oh because uh, we're we think we're, there's a ghost in our house we named her ethel and i was like oh thank god ethel thank god you're a good ghost and the and all the hairs on my right arm only my right arm just stood straight up and went all the way up to my neck and i was like oh okay oh ethel gave you some yeah, that's oh yeah. she like patted you on the arm or something yeah oh ethel yeah, we, we know like one of the prior owners died in the bathtub here, so we we don't know her name, but we call her Ethel. Yeah, we, we kind of, well, I mean, I actually feel like we should go around and be like, where are you in terms of like a believer in this kind of stuff? Because that might be interesting. But like, again, as not really a particular believer in this, I we we've always joked that we have a poltergeist in our house that will literally just steal things and take them and doesn't matter where you put it you can put it in exactly the right spot and it'll be completely gone and then just like when you've completely given up it'll be like either right back there or like two inches over or whatever and like yeah i also live in in, i think the house was built in like the 20s so i mean do you think that's like do you think that's like a brownie uh like i don't know i don't know that term like a house elf Oh, more we we think of it more like a poltergeist that just kind of oh. wants to collect things and then fuck with us and give it back. I had a conversation with people at a conference once, and it was they were in deadly earnest that several of them had a house elf. And I like, I mean, obviously, like that's more for elf chat, but like, I don't I don't know how you would if you have weird unexplained phenomena in your house. Like, I don't know how you decide. Like what it is. I guess maybe it's like how you were raised, right? Like, you know, is it more likely to be a ghost or a fairy or a Yeah, yeah. I, like my mom always says right? that uh, when she comes out of the sauna, she says like greetings from the sauna elf. And that's kind of like the idea of elves, I suppose, or gnomes or something like that. But I don't know if I ever like consciously believe in them. Yeah, maybe we can do this on elf chat, but 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 yeah, I I have some spooky experiences in the house I grew up in. Like there was uh, like the the attic would kind of creak sometimes in odd ways, and sometimes I swear I could hear hear like footsteps coming up from from there. And it's uh and sometimes when I was with my cousins there and late at night trying to sleep, I felt like this very very intense sort of dread feeling like from coming from behind the door where there was sort of a storage pe- space and then years later when I I uh, was sitting by on the computer next to the door to the storage space the door opened by itself with the handle and everything and I sort of sat there staring at it for a while and then just got up and closed it and that kind of <laughs> really spooked me no, please just leave it closed. <laughs> yeah, please, please don't come out. Just stay in there. So I don't know, like that might have been something like just air currents or something on my mind making it real. But I do remember that door opening by itself and it kind of still makes my heart beat a little faster. Nice. That's another thing that oh interests me. Like, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead, because I was I was going to tell my story then, too, because it's kind of similar. Oh, no, tell the story, because um, I have a more general, wider point. 
keep the vibe going. Come on. Yeah. Come on, Xander. <laughs> um, so, yeah, two, it's from the house I grew up in. And it was an older house. I don't remember how old. Um, but it had, it had like, an actual sub-basement and then the second floor. And my bedroom was on the second floor. Um, and that's where the ghost lived in our the old house, which was my bedroom. So that kind of fucked up my sleeping for the rest of my life. Um, but, like, you could be downstairs and you would hear on the hard wood floor the ghost walk around. What made it creepier is on the underside of the floor in the room, whenever the people built it, there was, like, footprints on there. So that didn't help. Um, but, so when they, like, took up the floor, there were footprints? No, like, when they were, like, building the house, somebody, like, stepped on the underside of the floorboard. And then when uh, they put it up, it's just on the ceiling of the basement. Um, but what I think is probably one of my earliest memories, and, like, this shit's going to haunt me the rest of my life, um, I was probably like three or four years old. Um, I was sitting in front of my closet and it was a mirrored closet that you slide open and close. And then I had a fan in the middle of the room that was off. I'm sitting in front of the closet doors playing with a little musical top. And the fan fell from the middle of the room all the way to where I was on top of me in front of the um closet doors and the only thing that like i could ever think of was like it was the ghost and he just fucking threw a goddamn fan at a child you know <laughs> what a prick holy fuck i would have burned the fucking house to the ground like Oh my no, God. the worst part is, too, is, like, my mom didn't even say anything until after we moved out of that house. And she was like, yeah, yeah, I saw that ghost in there. And I'm like, so I wasn't crazy all these years? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, man, I was glad I was throwing stuff at you. <laughs> yeah, he was a mean old prick, too. Oh, my God. I so I that seriously that story made me feel like I'm gonna throw up. I'm gonna like I'm gonna have, oh, my, oh my god. Yeah, it haunts me to this day. Like <laughs> like ghosts are my number one fear. And like to kind of bring it back is like I'm unhappily on the fence of if they're real or not because of the experiences I've had, but because it's such a big fear of mine, I don't wanna believe it. <laughs> yeah, that seems logical. Yeah, I don't know, like, because I do have those memories and experiences that kind of make me lean towards thinking that there might be some unexplainable shit, but I also recognize the sort of, like, limits of the human mind and consciousness and, like, that we can kind of fill in the blanks in odd ways sometimes. And uh, But I don't really completely want to ruin the magic either because it's sort of fun to <laughs> fun to play around with these ideas as well. Well, I, part of what I think is so interesting is that, you know, we we some of this, whether or not ghosts exist or whatever, comes from our lack of ability to explain things. Right. Like that's that's just human nature. That's why we've been telling stories for forever. And the fact is that, like, we feel like we know 
everything now, right? Like, we're like, oh, it's ions, or it's this, or whatever, and it might be. But, like, we can't actually, like, I don't think we're ever going to get to that place where we're going to have complete certainty that there is no supernatural, because, you know, like, I I feel like there's just a, a, like, the unknown is on... Yeah, not to Killable? take this to like a completely religious place, but there's that idea I heard somewhere that with the advance of science, God get get getting smaller and smaller, kept getting smaller and smaller, and that first like God explained everything, but then as as science and other things started to explain things, it it, uh, it could only be found in like those things that were unexplainable by science, and that's a kind of intriguing idea to me, and that obviously like the what happens to us after death is probably one of those things that we will never be able to kind of know the what happens to the consciousness as as it is deleted or is it i i do think like just to kind of circle back to hamlet as i am want to do but it's it's so funny to me that like the play begins with him talking to a ghost like literally a fucking ghost and then he has the whole to be or not to be monologue. And he was like, that undiscovered country from which no traveler returns. I'm like, dude, it was like four scenes ago. You literally <laughs> spoke to a fucking ghost who like explained where he came from. <laughs> like, what are you doing? But I do. Yeah, I think like there's kind of like Xander was saying, like, the, you know, we we want to know. But also like, like, do we do we want to know? Like, maybe we don't want to. I don't know. It's just, you know. Total sidebar, just based on Hamlet. Has anyone read Hamnet by um, Maggie O'Farrell? Big N.O. for me. Okay, well, it's very good. Uh, And I literally cried for like 100 pages. Like, I I actually, like, I cried a little bit, and I was like, oh, I guess this book did make me cry. And then, like, two pages later, I just started crying and was, did, did not stop. I, it was brutal. Anyway, it's about the Shakespeare's and the loss of their son Hamnet. Oh God! No, I wondered if that's what it. <gasps> yeah. Oh. Very good. Very well written, but uh, just a, a brutal book. So if you want to live through parents losing their child, check out Hamnet. Was it? <laughs> yes. <I'm laughs> <right here. laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Listen, you guys did a song of Achilles podcast. That's not exactly like cheerful. So. <laughs> yeah so anyway Matthew said you were gonna have to go soon so would you like to tell your ghost story at this junction uh I think I already did <laughs> um I did research a couple local ghost stories but they're not really that good <laughs> I think I kind of alluded to both of them already we have oh, a haunted okay. target what we have a haunted target I learned today <laughs> In preparation for the podcast. So what sort of what makes it haunted? What happens there? I know apparently there's some storage room behind the dressing rooms that they hear like disembodied voices and things move around and stuff. I feel like probably somebody's just leaving their radio on, but you know, there's always a chance that Target is haunted. (laughs) Yeah, could be. Uh, Yeah, I sometimes wonder if those ghost stories are just like. Like you could explain it like just some kids, kids hanging out uh, like where they're not supposed to or like rats in the walls or something like that. 
that might sort of make people that they misinterpret a stimulus to mean ghosts probably sometimes but of course then there's the real ghost stimuli of course as well every now and then there's like a homeless guy living in the roof like in the ceiling of like you know a, a oh, supermarket or something like that and you know maybe that's just him coughing yeah that's what i've sometimes like also fantasized about in when i was a kid that there was like some fucking homeless guy living in the attic also that maybe it's not a ghost that actually now that i mentioned that i did like a lot of times i took like a baseball bat and went up there when i heard something something like uh scary up there and i was just like fuck it i'm gonna i'm gonna go up there scare it away or like was it really a baseball bat though it was a pesapallomaila, so it was a <laughs> Finnish, Finnish baseball, but I'm not sure if they're... I, I think it would still make a pretty good weapon. But I guess the ghost, though, I'm not sure. It wasn't anointed with holy water or anything. It was just a baseball battle. I did go through a period where I, think I thought... My, I was hearing things in my head. Like, I wasn't hearing things, but I was just extremely attuned to the sounds that were actually there, like hyper-attuned. It was not It's not a great time. Yeah, I guess that's, like, that's something that I, uh, since I'm living in, like, well, what's, what are they called? Blocks of flats or apartment houses, like, since neighbors are always making noise and I always know that it's it's a human being making the noise, I'm not really, haven't really had any ghost, ghost fears in my uh, living on my own, but in in my like childhood home, like it was, it wasn't like a separate house, but it was a um, like a row house. I don't know what that is in English, but it's like this long house that has like five apartments in it. And back there, I would interpret like those kinds of creaks and noises as ghosts oftentimes, and being alone in the house was more frightening. Yeah, I was going to say, how can we call, like, I, I mean, living in Boston, like, you just kind of drown out everything. Like, you hear people doing all sorts of stuff. You, the trains are going by because they're all above ground. Like, how can you be attuned to every noise? <laughs> it must have driven you fucking insane. Yeah, I mean, well, it was noises in the house. It's pretty easy to tell if something's in the house or not in the house. Um, but, I mean, if I was listening to the sounds outside the house, it would basically just be like, drag racers and you know, <laughs> sirens and that kind of so, thing. So you just had like ethereal sensory overload? Yeah, I think I'd read like a home invasion book and like it just really, I was like 12 or something and it was just not a good combination. It was, it was very like, I remember going into my room once and like I felt like there was a warm spot on the carpet and like I think that's actually still there. I think there is just a heating thing that's under <laughs> under there. Um, no, that's spooky. Right. <laughs> but like I freaked out. I mean, honestly, last night, um, I think just because I knew I was doing this podcast today, um, I legit heard someone breathing in my room and I was like, I was like, is that me? Am I just like? falling asleep and not realizing that I'm the one making the breathing noises and it was like actually freaking me out and then I realized that my brother had moved from his room into the room next to mine which shares a wall and I was like oh thank god it's just it, <laughs> <laughs> like, it was really scary because it didn't sound at first like it was coming from that room so 
Oh, God. Mm -hmm. I don't like anything that's happening right now. It's not okay. Like in the world? Or like just on in this podcast? The experience that we are sharing right now. Like, I get, I don't <laughs> know. I think. That... Sorry, go ahead. No, I just. Uh, you mentioned the radio earlier, and uh, I, one, another cool idea about ghosts and technology is that white noise, that there's like uh, the dead can speak through white noise. And when I came across that idea, it was kind of freaked me out for a little bit. And it's uh, definitely a cool, spooky idea to play around with and just like try and listen to some white noise and try to hear things in it. I love like the the bro science behind like some of the ghost hunters are like these lasers will obviously pick up like whatever disembodied voice or whatever. It's like what is happening? <laughs> Who invented this? I think having kids might make this worse. Um, said everyone always. Um, but like so, first of all, the baby monitor is always on, and every once in a while, there's like a burst of static. <laughs> Or like, right, you know, something, right. or like it picks up like a cross channel or something like that, like which is tremendously uncool. Um, and then like on the on the video monitors, like Ugh. when they open their eyes and they get those like demon baby eyes. And they, Dude, yeah, uh, my biggest fear is seeing like a set like, of pants go in. Is what? My biggest fear is se seeing like a set of hands like just kind of reach into the crib, like just. <laughs> Oh no. I know it's gonna happen eventually. Oh, it's my stuck god. in my head that it will eventually. Oh my god. Bro, that's why you gotta get the laser. Argon shows those baby stealers. Okay, the Argon beam will show the baby stealers. And then there then there's like the the sort of like very spotty communication that they have, right? So like, you know, kids say weird fucking shit all the time and there's no like you really don't like um baby baby dr blood who's almost four we were sitting at dinner the other day and he goes this is the last halloween ever and i'm like i'm sorry what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> i'm just like no we'll have one next year did his no. eyes turn red right <laughs> he's like this is the last this is the last one ever and then we're gonna have the last christmas and i'm like i don't like what's happening right now and I, I really need you to stop but like I can't be like why are you a demon you know what I mean because like you really aren't do that to your kids but do I argue against it or <laughs> my father just told me this is the last Halloween oh my god it was so crazy and then he goes like he, he's, he's going to sleep and he goes to my husband he's like oh uh we saw a creepy lady outside my window and he's like, sorry what and he's like yeah we saw a creepy lady outside my window Jojo saw it um and she told Mama about the creepy lady, and he was like, "There was a, there was just a creep, there was just a creepy lady outside." When he was like on the second floor, you know, and the the word that he left out was car. So somebody had put up her Halloween decorations, and there was like this creepy lady on a swing. So we had seen him out <laughs> his car window, and I was like, you know, and thank God, like I understood. But I mean, that kind of shit comes out of their mouth. Like baby, baby, <laughs> doctor of blood context. Oh, baby, baby, doctor of blood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah kids. Fucking right, but like you don't. But I mean, we're talking about like how you know kids like nobody's convinced them that ghosts don't exist, or like that there can't be a creepy lady looking in your window on the second floor. So like, who the fuck knows, really? You know? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah, luckily, like uh, every experience, like when my my daughter sleeps really well through the night, and every now and then though she'll wake up screaming bloody murder, 
and just like oh god what is it like something pulled her hair or like something like pinched her like whatever and it's just usually like she has a fart or burp and then she's like fine but meanwhile i'm thinking like here it is you know this is it this is, it finally happened but i mean like have yeah, you my son does worry about like... the ghost train getting him some nights he says oh that's Oh. Yeah, he'll have some recurring dreams, <laughs> and like he was having some really bad ones a couple weeks ago. We were talking with this therapist where he was like, he was chasing after this like demon creature, and then it was mommy, but it wasn't. Then it was sucking his soul out, and I was like, okay, child. <laughs> um, Jesus. Yeah, man. he's got he's got some major anxiety issues and it's been getting worse. Oh, no. So there's a lot of like, uh, hey, why don't you want to like? So like the last few weeks since. We gave him this new medication. He stayed up all night. So ever since then, we've been like reading him this like bedtime story about like the fucking fox in the forest or some bullshit. And he always like falls asleep before he can find the fox in the trees or I don't know, it's something on YouTube. So it's like I have to do that every night now to get him to sleep. But uh, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, I can't wait to see like how this um, whole watching SBU <laughs> with my daughter works out. Like, you know, she dances to the opening theme and, like, loves the show. Are you and fucking kidding me? Watching what? Law and Order SVU. Oh, my <laughs> God. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's like, Daddy, I want to be the guy that, that, that leads them to the guy that leads them to the guy. Oh, I like the guy. In one scene. God. Can I be the guy who they think is the murderer but isn't? Who we get? Like, I thought I was a terrible person when baby Dr. Blood was born and, like, it was the, still the early seasons of Game of Thrones and we would put her in her bouncer and, like, face her away from the TV and then we had that <laughs> thing. <laughs> Don't worry, Sari. Still be a horrible person. When she would, like, yeah, break my, my wife wouldn't let me see what was happening and we're like, no, this is not, we have to, so we had to start watching it after she went to sleep. <laughs> I, would, I, I will legit start watching some stuff. I'm like, oh, he's nine now or whatever. He's seven. Like, it's, it's appropriate. I'm like, it's fine. I'm like, I don't remember. And then suddenly, like, something really bad. I'm like, oh. You know, maybe this wasn't a good watch for it. We just I'm did that with the... Change the conversation and change the channel. Like the fucking um, Halloween Muppet special is like scary. Oh, the, 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 haunted, the mansion? haunted Mansion? Yes! Like what Man, the I'm glad I didn't watch that because I you literally went creepy. on the Haunted Mansion once and it, as an adult, and it terrified me. <laughs> oh, I, I love the Haunted Mansion though. But I, I do. I Nightmare Before Christmas and he loves Nightmare Before Christmas, so... Yeah, I mean, fun fact, the voice of the crystal ball there is the voice of um, both stepmother from uh, Cinderella and uh, Maleficent, so it was. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it was just someone that, that like, had worked in-house, I think, right? And they ended up using the head and had her do the, mm-hmm. the thing for the crystal ball here. Yeah. Yeah, now their depiction, the Haunted Mansion depiction of ghosts is uh, a whole other story. Yeah, I guess that does speak to sort of like the um, kind of fears that parents probably do have of their children coming to harm and like the idea of it being a ghost, especially. Maybe that adds something to it, but that's a little supernatural edge to it and as i said earlier we have these boogeymen that are stories i guess i've uh, previously sort of thought that they're stories for the kids but i guess they might be stories for the for the parents as well to be sort of spooked by and thrilled by 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's like a long tradition of, you know, babies stealing ghosts and things. And I do, I mean, I think they are, they are cautionary in the sense of like, you know, stay in your bed at night or whatever. But then also, yeah, it's like an articulation of parental parental fears and stuff like have you guys ever googled ghostbusters too right like, you guys oh yeah 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 creepy as shit i don't know so like the ghost version of the creepy dude shows up and steals the baby but for some reason in his ghost version to steal the baby he has to dress and drag like a nanny i didn't i never understood that but very weird very weird he's like not really a ghost but pretending to be a ghost then like in disguise as a ghost but if you're just a ghost couldn't you just sneak in and like steal the baby right what is happening what do you remember ghostbusters 2 where like the baby gets kidnapped yeah yeah it looked like uh darth maul's when he when he there's comes like in the and... creepy yeah you have like vigo the carpathian and there's like the creepy oh, yeah. like museum guy who's like his henchman who's just a guy and at some point, he's like stealing the stealing the baby as like dressed as like a nanny, but he's like a ghost. It's like a astral did projection you, version of him dressed as a Mr. nanny. Did you just watch Mr. Sunday? Did you watch Mr. What? Sunday's movie recently? No. Because they uh, they covered Ghostbusters too and brought that up as well. <laughs> so did they did they have an explanation as as to why this guy had to be in disguise <laughs> as a nanny? No, it doesn't make sense because he's not a ghost either, or supposedly. Right, he's just a person. He's being like projected by the magic of the, the Vigo guy. But the, I mean, just like, is it like, is there some sort of like a nanny ghost, like in the mythology, like the you know spectral nanny shows up and steals your kid? Uh, and yeah. shit? I've heard like stories about that, like like that, um, uh, like related to that idea of of like creepy things kids say. That sometimes a kid would be say to their parent like it's okay, I don't need someone to watch me. That like grandma is here or something, and that grandma has passed, and that's like <laughs> she's been dead for ten years. <laughs> yeah, but that's like it, it's okay. I have I have the ghost here with me. Yeah, it's, uh... So guys, I gotta take off. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. I I posted a video of my daughter dancing to the SVU theme music in our chat, so enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> it's her jam. Uh, all right, everyone. Uh, Stay safe. Hopefully, we'll see you. Take yourself in the room. Have a good free Sunday. Is there like a is there a way to repel ghosts? <laughs> I'm not asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all. Like, I thought that was demons. According to the Lockwood & Co. series by Jonathan Stroud, which I actually highly recommend, it's a middle grade series, but it's British, so it's phenomenal. Um, iron, salt, and I think lavender are what they use in, in that. Lavender? That's yeah. Very, very British. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very good books. Like, legit, honestly, some of my favorite books. I thought it was sage you burn for spirits. Oh, to smudge, yeah, to smudge the air or whatever. Was that what it's calling called smudging? Yeah, I guess you've got the sort of like yes. that they actually do this. The Catholic Church still employs exorcists who go into places to sanctify them or exorcise them of evil spirits that 
that uh, that has been a tradition in the Catholic faith at least. And um, I guess most people probably associate uh, exorcism with the movie with that that is has to do with demons more than ghosts. But I guess they do have a lot of overlap as well. Yeah, I, yeah, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought like a malevolent spirit, right? But I mean, like just, but just if you just don't, if you just don't want the ghost to hang out with you, please, please yeah. go elsewhere. Like, yeah, I, I'm not sure if this well, is from a tradition, but I like the idea that you know, just like the right way to sort of banish a ghost would be just kind of like be kind to it and talk to it and figure out what's wrong and sort of like. Kind of like not, not like driving it out with uh, violence or anger, but kind of like just being, oh, hey man, what's up? Why are you hanging around my house? Sit it down on the on the couch and talk to it. Yeah, just I like, mean, I think oh, that would that would be my approach. Yeah, yeah. What's that like? <laughs> there, there yeah, but but I do like show, those like um, on like CBS about ghosts. I haven't watched it. I heard it was cute, but it's got the girl from iZombie, and she like lives in a mansion full of ghosts or something. Well, I guess that would it that would ask like what what causes a haunted house, you know what like we, you know we have the idea of like murder or some other untimely scientists think that right but more... like why do we have the idea of like a multiply haunt like a haunted house is usually at least in my cultural awareness of it is not like one bad thing happened here and so this is the cause of the bad thing. I I feel like there's usually a lot of different stories that that get tangled around there yeah, it's like a curse and it's kind of like becomes like a feedback loop that if you go down there something bad is going to happen to you because of the ghost or the haunting and mm -hmm. that's going to add to the, like the the <laughs> to the level of badness and the the tear in the veil that it's going to get wider and wider jack what were you going to say like um i was just saying that um there's a theory that it could be toxic mold that makes haunted houses haunted houses. Oh no! Like or got poisoning made witches. Oh yeah, that's the, everyone's got too, too much mercury. I mean that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Right, or like right. brown. But putting the science away, what is a haunted house really? Right? Is it like a the house is alive? Is kind of the idea sometimes, right? Like yeah, like the movie oh, yeah. Poltergeist. Some yeah, of them is like the, like the spirit of a person like who died, who built the house, or who owned the house, kind of possesses the house. And other times it's just sort of like the house has its own personality. Was there yeah. was that show on Netflix like they kept going back to the house because the house was haunted? Uh, that like, was Hill House. Hill House, yeah. And like that sort of, I was always like, I don't know, that was like where what they didn't really give you a good satisfying kind of ending on that but what was that like the house was the house like the spirit of somebody or just the house was just evil as shit i don't remember. i think it was just an evil house i think oh they, have you guys seen that movie because it was like different dimensions in the house and all kinds of yeah and, and one room kept being different things and people would occupy it at the same time and it was yeah it sounds like house leaves <laughs> Like there's that one movie where there's a haunted hotel room and the main character asks like the custodian who's played by Samuel L. Jackson, like, what is it? What's what like why is this room like this? And he's just says, It's an evil fucking room. <laughs> that kind of stuck with me. <laughs> and there are some snakes in there. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah. 
It's uh, Room... I, I, I just heard someone talking about this movie recently. But yeah, I guess... Like uh, I guess if I try to conjure up an image of a haunted house, I think of like um kind of like a like maybe a Victorian style sort of like house for the nobility or like like the like a manor house. Yeah, like a manor. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. And yeah, I guess yeah, you're definitely not going to suburbia with like a three bedroom, two bath in your life. Like 2005, <laughs> yeah. super haunted, bro. Yeah, castles too, and maybe like mental hospitals or something like that. So, I mean, it's interesting that a lot of this is like kind of the domain of like white people, what we would perceive in that way. You know what I mean? I I don't honestly know where I'm going with that. There's a show on Amazon that just used, it was, uh, what show was that? Where they used like ghosts as a, a. parallel horror to racism in Compton in like the 60s or not the 60s I think it was earlier than that but do you know does anybody know I'll see if I can find it is it, it them uh yeah I think it was yeah yeah where it was like this horrifying systemic racism but then also ghosts and you're like oh really <laughs> like yeah Oh, yeah, I think the white ahead. people thing is probably just sort of like that it's kind of like the dominant culture that these stories come from but I mean, like yeah. Matt was talking earlier yeah, about like the stories. sort of spirituality or like the mysticism going on in Mexico and South America like they've got their own kind of spooky skeleton thing going on down there mm-hmm. we have in in Northern California there's the um, Winchester Mystery House which is one of those like where you're like, is this person crazy? Or like, is the house actually, because Sarah Winchester was the um, heir of the Winchester rifle fortune. And she believed that she was haunted by the ghosts of all the people that had been killed with Winchester rifles. And so she, she kept adding on to the house to like trick the ghosts or whatever so there's like dead ends and (laughs) you know rooms that are not connected to anything like staircases that go nowhere and but like that place is supposed to be just like there's a big sign that says ghost room stay here right (laughs) someone so motivated by those beliefs to kind of like build something yeah but then like her her fear kind of not only shaped the house literally, but also, you know, sort of traditionally. So like, is it the, you know, is it haunted by the ghosts that she thought were haunting it? Or like some people believe that she still inhabits the house um, or even that the house itself took on the characteristics of her like fear and her panic and stuff so that it has its own like negative energy. I don't know. It's a, it's a really, it's a cool house. And like we went and we toured it and it wasn't quite as like scary as I expected it to be because we were like in broad daylight and like a tour group and like over there they think they see you know sheets moving and stuff but like I I mean there's (laughs) still like even so you know you could see like there were areas that were not a part of the tour and just I feel like if I were in any of those spaces like by myself I would be very uncomfortable and it was an interesting confluence of like all of those different kinds of psychic impressions like in a single space Mm -hmm. cool I'm like glad you brought that up, Sarah, because I was waiting to bring it up. <laughs> I'm glad that you brought that up, Sarah, because I'm because I was waiting to bring it up, but I, as I often do, I often can't find the space to. So, 
<laughs> yeah, sorry, but there's quite a few people on the call and uh, all, all of us have things to say, but we'll yeah. try to maybe make more, more room in the future. But uh, that's a description of the house kind of reminded me of this um, show, OA, the original angel. Has anyone seen that? It was on, it's on Netflix. I think on one of the latter seasons they had some sort of sort of weirdly constructed house in that one that was like existed in different realities at at the same time in San Francisco. Is that what OA stands for? Yeah, it does. It does stand for Original Angel. It's a weird show, but I quite liked it. No, I'm the only one who watched that. Okay, ignore everything I said. No, I, I know a lot of people who really liked it. I just didn't. I didn't watch it. No, that that is completely. It was fun. on my. Like, it was yeah, on my watch list. Like I just thought it was called the Oa, like you know, like the Green Lantern planet. Oa. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, they. She calls herself Oa, I think. But I think we had another topic schedule that we're going to talk about uh, how how ghost is used metaphorically in language as well like we mentioned like the idea of ghost in the shell and uh i guess we'd have these expressions of like give up the ghost and and i mentioned zeitgeist as well earlier but um can you guys think of uh, instances where ghost is used kind of like in everyday realistic concrete mundane language like that if he ghosts somebody. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm red. thinking of Ghost Lightyear oh, yeah. and um, Ghost Sparkle. Sorry, Jack. Can you repeat that? I was thinking of um, like Ghost Sparkle, neutrinos. Oh, so ghost particles. Ghost particles. Yeah. I heard about that. But is it some something that they're kind of like um, hard to pin down and they're kind of almost invisible or something like that? Yeah, they're weak into that matter particles or wimps um, because they um, only interact with the weak force. So um, the original way to detect them was um, to um, have them underground where they wouldn't be in the actions and then have a lot of molecules and um, have them interact with them um, have like um, quadrillions go through it and then you'd have like one molecule change to argon and uh, literally they didn't detect um, as many as would be expected by the feely coming from the sun they only detected a third so some people originally thought that the sun could be dying, but it turns out that um, there's different flavors of neutrinos. So there's an electron, muon, and lepton neutrino. So was the discovery of the ghost particle kind of like a spooky surprise to the scientists? Um, I would say that's fair to say initially. Um, I do like especially the spooky supplies would be that um, when they discovered that um, it was traveling to Earth faster than the light from the sun, which um, should have been impossible. 
but um, they eventually realised it was because it was such a weak interaction, a good escape from the sun before the other um, the photons could, because of the photons interaction with the matter of the sun's mass. I do really appreciate that he just threw in there like they thought the sun might be dying, just like. It's like in passing, like, oh, by the way, like, oh my god. Yeah, physicists kind of keep things under laughs. I think it's just as well. People like me panic easily, so. Yeah, maybe don't mention that in the TED talk. <laughs> so anyway, we thought the sun might be dying. That's uh, yeah, like, what the fuck? Yeah, I guess uh, that idea of the ghost in the shell is kind of one that I found interesting. And I suppose oftentimes now in fiction, we explore this idea through like artificial intelligence or cyborgs or robots and stuff like that, like Westworld, like the idea that what is that? What is the ghost in the shell that is animating us and kind of like making our bodies move and how like uh, how like something that Mikhail was saying earlier that like uh, how advanced our science can get and will we ever get like close to the truth that if we can like construct a perfect artificial body can we kind of like still account for that ghost in the shell I guess. So that would probably be like using ghost as a metaphor for the soul or the consciousness I guess. I don't like ghosts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was very indulgent. <laughs> that's very good. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think that's very creepy to think that our matter and our energy are independent from one another. Like, I, I mean, I guess on some level it makes sense that they would be, but I, I find that very disturbing that, like, we're not a singular creature necessarily. Um, but I guess if we... Or doesn't that date back to Descartes? Because I think before I am. Yeah, I mean, I guess... The body isn't duality. Well, I yeah. think there's much earlier traditions that sort of talk about the soul and like the, the sort of idea that I am a soul that has a body, that I am not a body, but that's like, I don't know, like where where am I in my body? Like, where do I locate myself now that I think about it I focus on my mouth that is making these noises that are coming through the microphone but I don't know where I am well that was I mean I, I think it's weird that in creature chat I keep coming back to medieval resurrection theory but in this case <laughs> it is also but like that was that the material continuity of the body and like whether or not that mattered in terms of spiritual continuity was like a huge issue um, basically from the, from the earliest Christian church through like, you know, Descartes essentially, like whether your material reality, like your, your actual dust was intrinsic to who you are and like whether that came back to you at the resurrection or whether like it didn't matter as long as your soul was there. And then like the question of the relationship between the body and the soul. So they're like, there's this long tradition of, um, the debate between the body and the soul where like it's basically just the soul yelling at the body for like not <laughs> being better 
and you know like now we're dead you asshole and like I'm suffering in purgatory or in hell or whatever because like you didn't do what you're supposed to do and then in some of them the body responds like okay but you know which of us was supposed to be more concerned about that like me or you and kind of seems like maybe <laughs> oh, it was cool. your fault <laughs> they're like different personalities yeah yeah um so there's actually like a like a debate that happens like this kind of theoretical debate but um but yeah so that duality is very um is very like long-standing and it's also very vexed as far as at least the the western christian tradition which is my um area of research but yeah it's interesting to to think about like yeah, i think that's kind of present in most world religions like i think in i think it's at least in hinduism and buddhism they they do believe in a soul that's kind of separate from the body as far as i understand it but well, that's true, right? like whether the, that's yeah, just like the denial of death or whether it's something like a, a feeling that we all have because of something i don't know like the the ideal of re or the idea of rebirth and then like escaping that as being the ideal in a in a um Buddhist nirvana concept. or like yeah yeah like that you escape from melting into melting into everything yeah well, and then like in the, in the, I think it was like the 1200s, like the Manichaean heresy, which was, you know, sort of helped reshape the, the Catholic church by contrast was um, that they believed the soul was the person and was created by the good God essentially. And then like all matter was created by an evil deity um, and that the body was designed specifically as like a trap for the eternal soul. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. This is a mortal body of flesh I am trapped within. Yeah, yeah. And that it was specifically like it was it was like somebody else's purview. <laughs> like it was created by like a completely different. Um, yeah, that's kind of like that's a sort of nice, elegant solution to the problem of evil and like of pain and, and stuff like that. Like he was out to get us <laughs> that they did make this thing yeah, for our yeah. enjoyment. He made our bodies to be kind of a kind of a prison and a torment. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Fun to think about. <laughs> yeah, until the Inquisition comes looking for you. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I guess we could step out of this this particular rabbit hole and uh, go into another one. Mm -hmm. And uh, just, oh, Jack, did you have something else to say? Um, just um, the thing about the Inquisition is that you never expect it. Oh yes, that is that is indeed <laughs> the thing. No, no, you never expect the Spanish Inquisition. The other Inquisitions, maybe. Oh, that is an important distinction to make. I think so. Significantly more predictable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the other rabbit hole that I was going to walk us down was like uh, talking about different works of fiction that feature ghosts that you are particularly fond of. Uh, we talked about Blair Witch Project and The Ring and Poltergeist in the context of our earlier discussions already, but do you guys have any that you would like to highlight or discuss? I mean, I already mentioned Hamlet, so I think I'm, I think I'm good. I mean, Ghostbusters, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> yeah, that's a, I, uh, I think I have seen at least the first movie, like all the way through at least once but i remember i did watch like there was this uh kid show like an animated show ghostbusters like in the late 90s or early 2000s yeah the real ghostbusters or whatever it was yeah 
Did uh, Slimer have his own show, or was he just like having? Well, Slimer was on that, and he would talk. Oh, okay. I think I had some yeah. toys, goes best to toys as well. But yeah, that animated show, I think it was like surprisingly dark for its audience. Like I remember there were some scenes where they were in hell or something. And I was like, kind yeah. of uncomfortable by it. Kid shows, like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like they'd go to like that, like they'd fight like basically like hell demons and go to haunted houses. So, like it was, it was way more, uh, like there was a bit more metal in the movie. Yeah, but I guess that movie does have Zool, Zool in it as well, who is a demon, but, but yeah, I guess they kind of like the, yeah, I guess going into hell and those kinds of like um, hellscapes that they could paint with the animated shows visuals were kind of disturbing to me. But I think like it, it's like the natural, like all these ghost shows you're talking about and like Ghostbusters is kind of the natural like progression of like, so if we find out ghosts are real, we definitely want to have like nuclear weapons to fight them off, right? Like <laughs> it's essentially what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we've definitely got some lasers and some things and we can use science, even even if the supernatural is real, the science can save us from it. Like the, yeah. the squirt bottle with holy water isn't cutting it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't need a young priest and an old priest, we just need a nuclear physicist. Is this Ghostbusters the only only one with that sort of idea, like going to science to solve the ghost problem? Because I feel like in a lot of a lot of these uh, fiction pieces where there's like a ghost hunter or a monster hunter, like Constantine or something like that, they still use kind of like those old-fashioned tools, kind of Van Helsing type stuff in the modern world. Yeah, yeah, it's usually a supernatural, but there have been others like there's different shows on sci-fi and stuff where they have like you know, tech issues. I think, I mean, I think even there was like an episode of Eureka or something where there, there was a ghost, if I remember correctly, but I don't know if that's like a very popular, uh, through line. It's usually, yeah, the, the exorcist or the demon hunter or something. That's interesting, isn't yeah, it? Well, like, what would it be about ghosts? Bullets, uh, right. Like, was it silver? Well, like, what would it be about ghosts? You know, oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like modern technology, but it's still like the old, the old method, right? Doesn't Hannah have one of those for flies? Didn't we talk about that on our our twenty four hour? Oh, yes. Like the, like the like fly sword to obliterate the, the flies. Fly, it's like a salt gun. Because I remember I saw that at the uh, we were at like the sporting goods store, and it's like kill the flies with it. It's like shows you like there's oh videos you can see like you shoot it at the fly, and just it obliterates the fly with salt, and I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> so this is for flies. Right. Like, yeah. Like, uh-huh. I gotta have the cloud of the, the ghosts ever show up. Oh my god. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> googling that right I now. Was supernatural, not still on the air, because they could have been like, wait, we can, we can just grab one of these things. Oh my god. That's really. That's really American. I don't. Yeah, but other works of fiction with ghosts, I would like to. Advertise Dragon Age once more, which I do in most of this most of this creature chat. But uh, it's a really cool, cool sort of way that they deal with that idea of the spirit realm in that series with the demons and spirits, and they kind of like watch fr- from across the veil and kind of they want to kind of mimic and mock the emotions and actions of mortals. So they will like pantomime as ghosts and kind of like try to get a taste of life through in that way and the undead in the dragon age are also like spirits or or demons that that are possessed ghosts uh, sorry possessed corpses and kind of come for the living 
and uh, it's a it's a cool yeah i, I do like the, the dragon age uh you have the fade and the way it builds up and yeah i weirdly other world that reminded me of um the movie soul that just came out which i was it pixar i think or disney but like i mean they're the same now i guess but um I think I remember really? seeing the posters it's for that. So, it's so cute. It's really, it's very nice. It's very, but it's like about like he, this guy dies and he um, sort of accidentally goes to like the the place where the souls are waiting to get assigned instead of like where he's supposed to just be dead. And he meets a soul that like, who's Tina Fey, by the way, which makes it like so much better, but who refuses to be assigned. He's to like, I don't want to hurt y'all. Yeah, like she's just not interested. <laughs> she's just not having it. Um, and so it's like, you know, how she, how they like become friends and I don't want to spoil it, but I, I highly recommend it. It's very sweet and that's a very nice movie. So was the Tina Fey ghost about to become like a human being? Yeah. She, she doesn't want to though. Like they keep assigning her to like mentors to try and like figure out what's going to motivate her to go down to earth. And she's just like, yeah, she's been around since the beginning (laughs) of time and not going to get, have a body. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, She's like, it's a very sweet movie. Soul number 23 or something. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but it's really cool. It's like a very, very cool, very fully realized um, representation of the afterlife. And I guess like the before life too, which is kind of cool. And you don't really like see that as much, but, um, but yeah, recommended. No, I think I'll watch that when I get Disney plus the next time. There's cool, also the cool, good cool. place. Oh yeah. The good place. That's oh, yeah. great show. Yeah. That's another one. After and they engage kind of directly with the idea of like demons and stuff. So, right. Oh, the good place is so good. There's a lot of anime that covers ghosts, obviously from kind of like an Eastern perspective, which is very different than most of what we're talking about. Um, but a lot of that does seem to involve like spirits seeming to move on as well. Um, Ghost Hunt. Ghost Hunt was a particularly good one. Yeah, I guess oh. I like to mention the the uh, ring raids from the Lord of the Rings as well. I love those guys as well. They're very cool, cool villains. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if they're technically dead, but they're kind of like, yeah, raids, especially like that kind of hooded, hooded uh, sort of black hood and very menacing looking, looking evil ghosts are a cool enemy to fight in video games as well and uh, in stories like just those especially if they're sort of elongated like slender man is like kind of like those big uh sharp claws reaching out for you i like how they're at least in the in the movie they're represented as like simultaneously uh wispy but also very concrete in certain way like i, I don't know i thought that was a cool the way that they achieved that and then like the way that he sees them when he's wearing the ring too like where everything's kind of um, blurry yeah, it's and... sort of in the spirit realm, kind of, and they, mm-hmm. he sees them as these kind of, uh, kind of corpse-like, shiny white corpse-like kings, and then they're like, yeah, the way that the all the insects run away from the from the <laughs> ring wraith in the in that scene in the Fellowship of the Ring, that's really, really powerful and kind of ties into stuff we talked about earlier, like like the like all the warmth going out of the room and it being cold all of a sudden or like cats and dogs like seeing the ghosts and reacting to it or mm-hmm. reacting to something that we can't see. Sweet. 
bit odd. Oh yeah, Sixth Sense. That's that's definitely uh, something uh, a movie, ghost movie from my childhood that I had nightmares about and uh, sleepless night nights about as well. So cool, cool sort of. I think everybody knows the twist by this point that Bruce mm. Willis was a ghost all along. But yeah, it, it definitely has some very very frightening scenes, especially that one one where the like the other kids are bullying the the main character, the kid, and they lock him in a room with a ghost or like a closet with a ghost. And oh, that's like a I've had many nightmares about that that particular scene. I feel like the only part I remember from that movie besides the twist is the um the Munchausen, the uh, Munchausen by proxy, right? Where like the girl is being poisoned by her mother for. That's such a creepy. That's such a creepy fucking syndrome. Am yeah. I just am I am I misremembering that or is that from six months? I thought that's a sound from sounds familiar, but I just haven't seen this movie in like over fifteen years. I'm pretty sure, but yeah, but yeah, I do remember some parts of it. Yeah, it's been a very long time. Yeah. And there's also that kind of sort of similar. I'm gonna spoil it too, but the similar kind <laughs> of idea in a in this Nicole Kidman movie called The Others, where the, in the end it's revealed that she and her kids were ghosts all along that they were sort of like this like hints in the movie spoilers that they are that they they can't go out in the sun because they have like a skin disease or something like that and and i think they have like a nanny that comes to look after them or something and i that movie was what introduced the idea of the book of the dead like the photo albums that people used to take photos of like corpses or the Mm-hmm. dead relatives and like to have one photo of them and it plays i think it's, it's a after the civil war in america i th- i think that is sitting and it was definitely one of those kind of disturbing movies for a young shellfish as well okay. um, what about have you guys I, seen the frighteners the michael j fox movie where he can like see the ghosts and there's like a ghost killer that's like inhabiting people and stuff he like has a near death experience. I guess if you have a near death experience, like you can see the ghost, and he like sort of acts as like this kind of like medium. It's like how he kind of gets by. Um, no one really thinks he's anything, but then he uh, there's like a s- serial killer jumping into people and actually like killing people. And it's a good movie. I'll do yeah, a shout out to Xander about Psych, which where he pretends to be a medium, but he's actually just like super observant and very deductive like um Sherlock Holmes but he but he plays it out like he acts like the spirits are telling him the information that he or the details that he notices but he's actually not. cool so is the show completely sort of agnostic or that doesn't have any real supernatural elements to it um not that I recall that's a really interesting question yeah no I I'm pretty sure that it's completely like but he runs he run, he Ostensibly, he runs a psychic detective agency, um, but he is not, in fact, psychic. He's just hyper-observant. So, but no, I don't think that there are any actual, although that would have been a cool twist in a later season. Maybe I just didn't see it, but. Imposter, imposter sort of story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. I saw the others in a theater, just to circle back for a second. Somebody brought in Chinese food, like a whole just fucking meal of Chinese food, like watch it. So I don't really remember the movie at all, but man, I sure remember that. <laughs> yeah, that is sure that, that is a little bit against the uh, regulations, <laughs> I think. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty brutal. Like, I'm just gonna bring my panda in here. And... Chow down. God, man. 
I've done that. Like, seriously? Oh, no. Yes. Oh. How dare you? I saw three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, or whatever that movie was called, uh, with quite a bit of Chinese food. Kidding me right now? That is ridiculous. Although I do really like the places where you can go and like have dinner during the movie, but I feel like that's a completely different circumstance. Mm-hmm, sure. Mm-hmm. Smuggling in a full Chinese meal. <laughs> against, you know, I've but... had pizza in movie theaters. I've had Pokeball. I saw Black Panther with Pokeball. <laughs> You are a monster. I can't eat the food they sell there. So it's either candy or I bring in my own food. Candy. All I mean, candy. a lot of the time it's candy. But then sometimes you just have that movie that's at that point in time where it's like, you know what? I need to actually eat a meal. Like, bring a sandwich, you monster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I would. I could buy a sandwich. and The stinkiest, most complicated food I can possibly... <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! Like I you haven't lived till you've tried to eat grandma's slice in the first place. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh my god! Ah, uh, uh, so I think um, we'll probably start wrapping this episode of Creature Chat up about ghosts, and this has definitely been spooky and fun. But I'm um, sorry, not to belabor belabor this too much. I just curious because I've listened to all the creature chats and you guys have done such a great job. Oh, thank you. Do you you guys think that ghosts are scarier than the other stuff that you've spoken about? Yes. Oh, definitely scarier than dragons and vampires and werewolves. And yeah, because as we've talked about today, we kind of have have this sort of like almost a personal uh, connection to them on having those kind of unexplainable uh, unexplainable times or memories of being frightened by something. And mm-hmm. uh, I dug up this uh, C.S. Lewis quote about this. Before we started, that uh, talked about the um, uh, the sort of characteristic of something being numinous. And he explained it that, uh, suppose you were told that there was a tiger in the next room, you would know that you were in danger and would probably feel fear but if you were told that there is a ghost in the next room and you believed it, you would feel what is called fear, but of a different kind that is kind of a dread and kind of like that. And that is sort of numinous about it. That is kind of more than than fear of the tiger. That's more of a, like a physical fear, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ghost is kind of like, I don't know, it compromises your spirit in some way, I guess. Yeah, along the same lines, I was actually thinking about that question before we started um recording and yes like absolutely um but i think it i for me at least ghosts feel much more invasive than Mm. a lot of the other supernatural creatures like if you go where a werewolf is you know i mean there's always a zombie kind of like banging on the door like trying to crawl through the window or whatever but like you know (laughs) whatever but um (laughs) yeah like ghosts just talking like they're uncontainable and they're they can like go through you or like in you, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah, they're sort of like, they, there's, there's often that fear of being paralyzed by fear or sort of like maybe it's kind of a fear of fear itself or like the unknowable and like, yeah. Well, I mean, I think for me, like in a, in a very weird callback to another creature chat, I think it's almost for me very similar to like when you have a bug infestation in your house where it's like, this is my mm-hmm. house. Like, 
this is my space. This is my, you know, safe hole. Like, <laughs> get out, you know what I mean? So it's like there's that there's a there's a sense of like there's no, which is kind of why I was asking like if if we could think of any like way to kind of blog I mean you can board up the windows and a zombie can't come in like the the vampire can't come in unless you invite it right but like the ghost yeah. does whatever the fuck it wants like I, I, I don't know I to say that I really enjoy those like uh, scenes in fantasy or other types of fiction where like someone is able to banish a ghost and they go like be gone spirit you have no place here or something like that and it works it's just like so cool to kind of have that kind of yeah, if you have that almost like infestation, like you said, and then you kind of like cleanse it away and and uh, everything is all right again. It's a very uh, satisfying yeah. sort of scene. Yeah, it's like it's like, you know, being afraid of uh, like a poisonous gas or something like it's so. Yeah, it, it's so um, it's there and you can't see and, it and you can't do anything about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, now I've now I've got myself all worked up. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I I think I think I feel similarly. I mean like I still find like vampires like really heckin' scary, but like yeah, I I agree that like I know that vampires don't exist, and even though I don't believe that ghosts exist, like there is it's a lot easier to believe that ghosts exist than it is any of the other kinds of supernatural creatures that that. Oh uh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Well, and I think, too, that there's, I mean, that sort of goes back to what we were talking about is, like, you know, do you feel uncomfortable in a space because you know what happened there? Because, but, like, I mean, I do think that there's a, a kind of a continuity between the concept of ghost and just, like, the existence of trauma in the world and that kind of, like, bad energy or, like, negative, you know, charge or, or however you want to think about it. But that, like, it's, they're a manifestation oh, of yeah. that. Something that, invisible, like. If you yeah. have like a conversation and like uh, someone is like uh, like being mean to their spouse or something like that in like some conversation and there's like bad energy in the air yeah. and you yeah. feel it and you're just like oh I don't want to be here there's there's a ghost in the room or yeah. something like that or or like you know just the kind of feeling that you get in the pit of your stomach when you read some kind of horrific story in the news right where it's just like there's this physicalization of it and I think that like the the ghost is like a physicalization and an internal or externalization where it's just like out there in the world that like there is bad you know and and sometimes it's more um fully realized in a shape but I think if badness I mean, is yeah badness is right and like that's the creature that that is that idea kind of for me like I don't I don't know it's like the you know trauma or, or loss or grief or rage or you know all of those things that that come out from like the human experience like that the ghost is the the kind of swirling essence of that like out in our yeah. in our reality well, that's mm-hmm. a very cool formulation of it yeah I do sometimes think of like like uh like bad memories of of people that I'm not completely okay with that those are like my ghosts and I sometimes fight with my ghosts mm-hmm. but yeah that's kind of kind of my I don't know how widespread that sort of sort of a uh, metaphor for that would be but I feel like it's used sometimes in the Aeneid there's a um a quote that's sort of like notoriously difficult to translate but um one way to translate it is that we are all haunted by the ghosts of our past um and it's you know past in the sense of like heritage or family or um 
you know, ancestors, but then also just like the things that have happened to us. And, you know, it's spoken in the underworld by a ghost to Aeneas who has just escaped from the, the sack of Troy. So um, it's very resonant in the context, but it always struck me as just a really beautiful um, kind of universalization of, of that idea that, you know, things leave impressions on us and on the world that we can't always explain and, and we can't escape um, maybe in some of the ways that we'd want to. Yeah, I think that's a, it's very compelling and true in many ways. I agree. But anyway, I think I was going to wrap this episode up. Sorry. For two and a half hours, but oh, no, I definitely enjoyed that last segment immensely. And I think it was very good, very good. But anyway, um, as we usually do, we can shout out some future podcast that might be coming out. Um, I think uh, there's been some talk of um, kind of reviving the Lord of the Rings reread that that might be coming up soon and uh, we'll we will also have uh, future creature chats coming up but we haven't really decided on a topic on that so if anyone has any suggestions on that you can uh, uh, just leave a message on the discord about that and we can kind of hash out what we want to talk about next and do you guys have any any upcoming episodes you'd like to advertise can i yell at kevin to edit the uh fire and blood episodes because i really You're free to yell at kevin yes <laughs> i love you kevin please edit those episodes sometimes the editing takes a while yes sometimes it is quite laborious believe me i've i've had my own episodes disappear to the dark darkling plane but uh i i just really want to listen to what you guys said about fire and blood i don't know what to tell you yeah i do as well i am um, i read it over the summer and and uh, i guess i've also been kind of interested in in perhaps taking part in future fire and blood episodes we have those and uh i guess there's the House of the Dragon show also coming out sh- soon-ish, I believe. So that might be something that we will yeah, discuss. Surprising. Yeah, we're all getting pretty hyped for that, I think. I think there's two very distinct camps, actually. I think there's the hype camp, and then there's the anti-hype camp, and both of those are entirely valid. But it's the interesting. Heard again camp. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> very much so. Yeah. I mean, the yeah, I'll I, probably I'm watch very it. I'm ready to be like, okay, it's, the show's back and it's good if it is, but I'm also not like until until we get an episode and I'm like, oh man, they did a great job. I'm sort of just like, I've got other stuff going on. I mean, it could 100% suck. Like, there's no question that it could. I'm just, I I guess I miss the sense of community that we had when Game of Thrones was good. <laughs> yeah. Of- like you know, if this is a chance to reclaim some of that, I'm, I'm, I hope that it will be. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I'm going in thinking that there might be some cool costumes at least. That's my, that's my expectation. <laughs> but I'm, I'm completely open to being pleasantly surprised. I, I feel like that might actually be like the review headlines. Like, Get, you know, cool it's a Game of Thrones show, but you'll be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> right. like, I'm not crying. <laughs> like, 
But also, like, we know how this ends. So it's just not, the stakes are just not yeah. emotionally as high there for me. I'm like, tell me this story. That's great, you know. Hope, I mean, so, again, no way. So there are definitely ways. Spectacle. You've already got the whole, you know, framework there. Like, give, give, like make me see it. Like, that's all I want. But, yeah, maybe some cool drama and good acting of scenes that we've all already sort of seen. But, yeah, that might be some good good stuff in there. Or oh, that scenes that we already read, I meant. But yes, this, yeah. uh, after this very enthusiastic, anticipatory House of the Dragon discussion, I would like to thank all of you for joining me for this creature chat on ghosts and wish you a happy rest of your Sunday. I'm going to go thank order you. a salt gun on Amazon. Thanks, Peter. <laughs> Yeah, get that I am going to go and devour <laughs> half a pizza. Yum. As long as it's not Actually, in the movie you know, the salt gun could work, you know, with the pizza, maybe. You know, I don't know. Make oh, a yeah. <laughs> on the grill with your steak, shoot some salt at it. I don't know. Yeah, you don't want to get up. You just you can just kind of season them from afar. <laughs> well, like, you got to embed the seasoning though, which might be kind of cool, <laughs> actually. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, when I was grilling earlier in the summer, like they were all like season one side and then flip it and season the other and i'm like you're asking me to stick my hand over the top of the grill to seize it no i'm not doing that do it from so, across the yard with a salt gun exactly. like a proud american <laughs> exactly the right to bear salt guns <laughs> <laughs>